You're listening to the Acadiana's Morning News Podcast, brought to you by LABI and always on kpal965.com. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. News Talk 96.5 KPEL, Brobridge, Lafayette. Your 24-7 news source, on air, online, and with the KPEL News app. Now the headlines from the KPEL News Center. Good morning, I'm Rob Kirkpatrick. On this Thursday morning, Louisiana State Police investigating an officer-involved shooting that left a suspect in critical condition. State Police Troop I spokesman Thomas Gossin says Lafayette Police requested their assistance, a normal procedure for this type of incident. Yesterday, during a traffic stop, a suspect fled on foot. It's at that time, the officer says, a suspect fired shots. The officer returned fire, striking the suspect. That suspect, taken to the hospital and remains in critical condition, no officer was injured in the shooting. Louisiana State Attorney General Jeff Landry is pushing back on the governor's latest COVID-19 proclamation, which includes a mask mandate. In a nine-page opinion sent to Republican lawmakers working to strip the governor of some of his powers under the state of emergency, Landry says there are some questions about its constitutionality, especially a decision to ban bars, quote, carte blanche. Jeff Landry will join us on Acadiana's Morning News at 820 this morning. You can read more about the opinion at kpel965.com. Beginning today, seven state offices of motor vehicle locations will be open for in-person appointment-only service. KTC is reporting that these Acadiana offices are the ones that will accept appointments. Brobridge, Marksville, and Opelousas. The Karen Crow location remains closed. You can make your appointment on the OMV website. We have a link for you at kpel965.com. Consumers are planning to spend a record amount to prepare students for heading back to school and college. Brooke Thorrington has the story. NRF spokesperson Catherine Collins says more than half of shoppers feel that some learning will occur at home and they'll need to purchase more electronics. They're looking to buy laptops, speakers, headphones, and even things like printers or a computer mouse. For the elementary to high school age kids, families on average are expecting to spend almost $100 more than last year. Families are planning to spend an average of $789. And for the first time, average spending for college families is over a grand. I'm Brooke Thorrington. The Louisiana Restaurant Association estimates the pandemic economy will result in the loss of nearly a quarter of the state's restaurants. President Stan Harris says for many restaurants, there's just no way to weather the storm, even with the federal aid that has been received. Some folks in the full service business are not able to pivot and, and do it 30 or 40 percent revenue. And in the quick service business, they've been able to pivot because they have a lot of drive through in their business. With restaurants suffering, the state's service economy is getting hammered. Harris says that's why we need Congress to extend enhanced unemployment benefits before they run out at the end of the month. It may not be as robust as the $600 a week, but it may be something in the $200 to $400 a week range. So uh, we're hopeful that that's going to happen. Harris made the comments on the governor's monthly call-in talk show. 
Ask the governor. The longest-serving executive director of Louisiana's Democratic Party is stepping away to pursue new challenges. That announcement first made on Up Close with Bernadette Lee. Kevin Barnhart has more. Eight and a half years, I think I've done my time. Stephen Hanwork says he's moving on at the end of August and says he's proud of the many accomplishments of the party during his time, including flipping the governor's mansion blue and keeping it that way for a second term. Hanwork offers this advice to the party going forward. We all as a party have to be doing a lot better in not only recruiting candidates, but then also being able to support them. So that is certainly where I'm going to be focusing a lot of my time in my next endeavor. I'm Kevin Barnhart. And finally, the U.S. Supreme Court has lifted an injunction on another federal execution. The court was divided on Wednesday's decision with the four liberal judges dissenting. The order lifts an injunction against the death sentence of Wesley Perkey. He was scheduled to be executed yesterday afternoon. Perkey was convicted of kidnapping and murdering a teenage girl in Kansas City back in 1998. His attorneys have argued that he's mentally unfit for execution and has severe dementia. It's the second injunction against a federal execution to be lifted this week. This news update is brought to you by Seize the Deal and Eat Lafayette, teaming up to offer you 10 incredible buy one, get one free deals at 10 local restaurants. The deal goes live at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning at SeizeTheDeal.com and at KPEL965.com. If you've shopped with Seize the Deal before, you can look for the deal in your email inbox. $25 is all the deal costs, and it's a great way to experience new Eat Lafayette restaurants and treat your friends while you're doing it. Restaurants participating include La Pizzeria Karen Crow, Burgersmith, Tabuli Lebanese Cuisine, Poor Boys Riverside Inn, Gary's World Famous Plate Lunches and Hamburgers, Blue Basil Wine and Grill, Young's Sports Grill, Ciro's Bistro, Broadus Burgers, and Acadiana Bar and Grill. With the deal, you purchase one entree and two drinks and get a second entree of equal or lesser value for free. The deal allows for one BOGO deal at each of the participating restaurants. You're going to want to snatch that up tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock at kpel965.com. We're getting a little bit of a break in this, what has been fairly hot pattern across Acadiana. An upper-level low going to be moving its way across the region today, and that's going to be good for sparking some showers and thunderstorms a little bit later on. It's going to help kind of erase some of the high pressure as well, which has been the main culprit of our warm-up here the last couple of days. Be on the lookout for a little bit of rainfall. We'll keep the rain chances going at about 60%. Now, they don't kick in until the afternoon, so we're st- we are still going to see the temperatures get up to about 94 by the end of the day today. Lows tonight sit down in the mid-70s. we got some more scattered showers on the way for tomorrow, but then essentially drying out for the weekend. Saturday is going to be a dry and hot day. Same with Sunday. I think isolated to scattered showers will be returning almost every day through next week. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Right now, traffic. And no issues to pass along to you right now, but a reminder, you can get traffic updates on the KPEL News app. It's available in the App Store and Google Play. Also, report traffic as it happens straight into the studio. You can download that free KPEL News app now. This traffic report is brought to you by Albertsons. Own per own point. Let me start that again. Earn points for gas savings simply by shopping at your local Albertsons. Then redeem rewards at Chevron stations. Restrictions and exclusions apply. For complete details, go to albertsons.com forward slash rewards. It's 6.06 now at Newstalk 96.5 KPEL. Attorney General Jeff Landry joined up close with Bernadette Lee for an exclusive interview yesterday after his nine-page opinion was sent to some lawmakers 
about the governor's latest COVID-19 proclamation. We'll hear that interview coming up in just a few minutes right here on News Talk 96.5. Lifetime. have a conversation now about Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry and his official opinion regarding the mask mandate. And I believe we have him on the line now. Uh, Mr. Landry, are you joining us now? Yes, Bernie. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you today? I'm doing fine. All right. So I was going to say you made big headlines today. Um, So let's talk a little bit about um, you know, you had pointed out that you in no way want people to take this as any kind of, you know, uh, it's not a discredit or trying to reduce the significance of protection taken by individuals. And you wanted to state that clearly, but that you believe after everything that you've researched and looked at that you believe this is too broad and it's too vague. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, yeah, it's pretty simple, Bernie. Look, I know many people remember me standing up next to the governor back in March when this all started, right? At the time, there was a clearly defined goal. The goal was to ensure that the healthcare capacity of our state, in fact, our whole country was not overrun to the point where people would basically be left dying in the streets, right? Mm -hmm. That was the goal. When he, and, and then the powers that he used in order to effectuate that policy, we stood by them while they did so. Today, it's different. There's no more benchmark. What is it that we're trying to, um, uh, uh, what is the goal? The goal is no longer certainly the healthcare capacity. We've won to that effect. In fact, I don't think we've done enough to praise those brave men and women who have been working to treat people with COVID-19 over the past four or five months and have done so with a tremendous amount of success. Has it been lethal in some instances? Absolutely. Those are absolutely tragic. But at the end of it all, the death rate has has fallen dramatically. So again, without a benchmark, then you start to lose the power that the governor's using under Title 29, which is his emergency power. So let's take the order. Number one, the closing of bars, okay? He, he just carte blanche closes every bar. Remember that under the statute, the governor has the power, under even normal circumstances in declaring a public health emergency, to close individual establishments based upon health and welfare. He's got all these contact traces. If his data shows that particular bars or hotspots or infectious prone areas, he has the ability to go in and close those down. To close them carte blanche while allowing a restaurant pretending to be a bar, or a bar pretending to be a restaurant to remain open, which becomes a subjective tent test, exposes government to tremendous liability. Okay, that's number so, one. and that's number one. Um, he's saying this is you're doing this strictly for politics. Well, of course, every time you disagree with this governor, it, it, it's it's about politics. It's not about politics. It's about power. Look, it's about the powers granted to the governor. The governor, and has he gone too far? It's important to keep people healthy. It's also important to obey the law and to keep them free. 
We don't create law by fiat. We've had two legislative sessions that if he believed he needed those extended powers, he could have done. He didn't ask us an opinion. We're the statutory counsel for GOSEP. He never said, look, these are some goals that we're trying to achieve. What do you think the law allows us to do? I mean, look, we spent a lot of time, Bernie, over the last three days pouring over that while our phone rang off the hook from representatives, senators, Mm -hmm. sheriffs, business owners. Oh, you know why? Because the the order was completely broad. The broadness of the of the order is what the problem is. If he gets really, really specific with his order, if he does set specific benchmarks. Do you think that would be something that would pass a constitutional well, well, test? If he if if he has the benchmarks to put out there again, mm-hmm. the death rate has fallen down to the bottom. Okay, hospitalizations certainly have gone up, but length of stays have gone down. Right, which means that we're 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 winning the battle. We haven't won it, but we certainly are winning it. Okay. Again, what, what is it that is going to get us back to normal? We were told in March that it was about health care capacity. Today, no one can answer that question. What do we do at this point while we're in this interim waiting for the average person who is listening to this? Do you think it should be about individual freedom? Um, because this is your opinion, right, that you have issued um, do, do you think somebody's going to straight up decide that they're going to try to take the government to court? Is that allowed? Is it doable? I really well, am wondering. Point out. I, well, look, I hadn't even got a chance to go through the entire order. We just talked about the part of the bars. Let's talk about the capacity, the 50 yeah. foot, and okay. the 50, um, um, what is it, uh, uh, limiting any one event to 50 people. Mm-hmm. It's completely overbroad. If I have an event in a Superdome, can I only have 50 people? Or can I have, a, it, suppose I have it in a 1,000 a square foot shed. I can jam-pack 50 people in there. The order doesn't say, again, overly broad, it it basically entitles you to very subjective determination. Number three, the mask. Again, all of the exceptions to the mask. It basically commandeers business owners as being some law enforcement arm of the governor. He can't do that. The only penalty under 29 is a criminal penalty, which means that if you go out and you cite somebody, right, for violating this order, you better know that they have a Fourth and Fifth Amendment right because you're charging them criminally. Okay, again, problematic. You, you know, look, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't write the Constitution or the laws out there, but guess what? We don't live in a dictatorship. And certainly we grant the governor extreme powers during times of emergency, which again, back in March, when people were dying left and right, and we had a benchmark of being overrun uh, in our healthcare capacity, we certainly understood those. No one has been able to articulate what is it that we're trying to achieve. Again, I don't discourage the use of masks. In fact, I'll give you an example, Bernie. The one thing that I could tell you that the governor could do, which certainly would, would fit and it would not be subjective, it would be objective. He could mandate in certain you know, uh, business settings or people going in and out of public uh, spaces to be temperature checked. Nothing wrong with that. Nobody disagrees with that. It's not subjective. It's very, your temperature is objective, 
right? Even a person with a disability wouldn't have a problem with you taking their temperature. But we didn't start there. He just went out there and just said, we're going to do this, I don't know, for whatever reason, because our numbers are going up. And, and basically the bars in Baton Rouge were a hot spot. And, and he said, we're going to close all of the bars. Those are things that it just, it just, he just has acted outside of his scope. And just because we've called him the task about it, all of a sudden it becomes political. What is disappointing is that there is an attorney general in our Constitution. The legislature has assigned that person to we the look governor's into office it, of right? Homeland Security. Right. True. And yes. he is, they've never asked us for our advice. So where does it, and we've only got about 45 seconds left, what do you think happens from this point on? You think he goes back and changes his mandate? Well, I mean, knowing the governor, he's going to just crow about it being political. He's going to like letting people just stay being divisive out there. But I would hope, I would hope that what he would do is recalibrate, rethink, put out a better message, offer as much guidance as possible, educate the, the public, and at least give the public and all of us a benchmark as to what exactly we're trying to achieve here. Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry, as always, very interesting, sir. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So obviously that conversation generating a lot of talk, a lot of discussion on our social media pages. You can find it at kpel965.com on our Facebook page. Just search KPEL News. It's 618 now at News Talk 96.5. KPEL coming up. Professor Alan Sachs, and we're going to talk about the oversight of that COVID-19 relief money. Everyone is trying to be the one to oversee it, and uh, we'll ask Professor Sachs what he thinks. That's coming up on Acadiana's Morning News. Here for you in times of uncertainty. Tracking coronavirus, I'm Rob Kirkpatrick on this Town Square Media Station. Team you can rely on even on the darkest days. I'm Bernadette Lee with your news and information update. We're working for you on air, behind the scenes every single day. We're following a potential hazmat situation on I-10 this morning. As you get out and hit the road, Bernie's got the information you need to know. Your radio home for news and information for more than 60 years. You know, it's everything I need in the morning. News Talk 96.5. KPL Bible 620 now at News Talk 96.5 KPL Welcome back to Acadiana's Morning News on this Thursday, July 16th, 2020 Joining us from the Dallas-Fort Worth area this morning Professor Alan Sachs And you know, we love to talk to you uh, about different things Because you're always looking just one level below the surface If not 20 to 30 levels below the surface because a lot of times what you see is not really what's going on. Good morning to you, first of all, sir. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, sir. Thank you so much. So um, one of the things that I learned really early on in my news career, and it was actually uh, an anchor up in Dallas, Tim Ryan, who would always say, follow the money. That's the first question to ask when you're starting a story about corruption, starting an investigative story. Where is the money? And that seems to be where our conversation um, ends today because our starts today. It's because it's the oversight of this coronavirus relief money. Um, I mean, it is it is billions in many cases. It could be up to a trillion dollars, and everyone's fighting to get their hands on control of it to be the official overseer. What are you seeing? Well, you put it exactly correct. Uh, they're trying to fashion up another trillion dollar package uh, to send out to people who are in trouble because of this. Uh, terrible pandemic. But uh, the problem is 
they really cannot account for the previous two trillion dollars. Uh, when I'm mean, talking trillions, you get all confused. Uh, Speaker Tip O'Neill of many, many years ago, paraphrasing him, said, a trillion here, a trillion there, soon you're talking real money. They're trying to fashion another trillion dollars, uh, but they want to have oversight on it. Where does the money go? How do you account for it? And that's always been a problem, especially when you talk about this kind of money. Harry Truman, a former president of the United States, when he was a member of Congress, became well-known because he was a chairman of a committee that was looking into uh, oversight of expenditures during the Second World War, military expenditures. So this has always been a problem. You know, and it always kind of comes down to, obviously, in this situation, we have a Republican president, a Republican-led Senate. Obviously, the Democrats lead in the House. And, you know, and I wish I could say I could trust either side to put petty politics aside to actually, I don't know, serve the American people and to oversee this money. But, you know what, I don't have faith in either of them to do it without their own political interests. Is that fair? You're asking too much of them. <laughs> politics, politics always, always comes into it. Uh, and especially when people say, I didn't get a check. Mm-hmm. I didn't get one either, by the way. Yep. And uh, I have to remind myself, I just didn't qualify. Mm-hmm. A lot of these checks that went out to people, uh, they just did not qualify. I listen to a lot of call-in shows, and inevitably somebody calls in and says, I didn't get a check. And uh, what they should answer, which they don't all the time, is that you are not qualified to get a check. Yeah. So it, it, it's a tough deal on how this money is spent and where all these all this money goes. We can rest assured that uh, it's not going to go all the time to where it was intended. What do you think about the unemployment? Um, as we start to wrap up, by the way, we're joined by Professor Alan Sachs from UT Arlington. Um, there are a lot of folks who are really worried looking just about two weeks down the road when that federal unemployment uh, benefit ends and that's the extra six hundred dollars a week in benefits um i you know people are really worried what is going to happen then do you think that our lawmakers are working fast enough will there be a renewal of that or or are we kind of setting the sale and very quickly that's a good point um one of the things that strikes me is that i drive around the dallas fort worth area and i live in a little city called arlington texas which is about four hundred thousand, right in the middle of dallas and fort worth and I've seen on intersections people uh, from churches handing out food. It says free food. And then in a church parking lot across the street, a big 18-wheeler truck loaded with food. And that, it, it's a wonderful sight, but it also scares you a little bit, too. Yep. Oh, I hear you, Professor Alan Sachs. We appreciate your insight, as always. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much, sir. All right. It is 625 now at News Talk 96.5 KPL. And it still seems like we're talking about, you know, at least on the federal level, everything but the extension of this unemployment benefit. That extra $600 a week has gone really far. I think it has softened the blow to a lot of, even in our area, some of the layoffs that we've seen. And, you know, we had the PPP clearly. But um, I'm anxious to see what happens. Um, if if something will come of a renewal or something like that, and we would hopefully know in short order. It is the 16th of the month. Uh, that gives us about two weeks and one day till those benefits run out. We'll keep you up to date here at KPL. Coming up, your bottom of the hour news. And then ahead on the show, we talked to Summer Bob, Bob Carriker, 
who's actually in town. He's going to be joining us from the parking lot, always bringing something fun history-wise. So we will do that and more, all coming up on Acadiana's Morning News. We thank you for waking up with us. And as you're planning your summer trips and maybe even getting back to traveling, maybe in the fall, fingers crossed we're in that place again where people feel comfortable to move around. Don't forget you can take us anywhere that you go with the free KPL News app. It is brought to you for free by Acadiana Restaurant Supply, and you can download it in the App Store and Google Play. Listen live, get push alerts, get up-to-the-minute traffic, weather radar, everything is right there in the app. We're back with more Acadiana's Morning News after this quick break. Back next. Implicit bias. We've all got it. Many hurl the term as an insult. I take it as a compliment. I'm Kavon Bordelon, and I like being a Catholic, conservative, fun-loving guy. So let's talk about that and everything surrounding those ideals. 11 a.m. Saturdays, Implicit Bias on News Talk 96.5 KPL. It's the bottom of the hour. Now the top stories from KPL96.5.com. Good morning, I'm Rob Kirkpatrick. Showers in the forecast today expected to break the days-long heat wave in Acadiana. Your high today is 95, and Daniel Phillips has your forecast coming up. The website that is handling applications for frontline workers in Louisiana to get that one-time $250 payment from the state, well, it had some major issues yesterday. According to officials with Louisiana Department of Revenue, via a press release, some 14,000 applications were accepted before there was a connectivity issue that brought the whole process to a halt. Following people are eligible for that one-time $250 check from the state, essential workers, frontline workers, and healthcare professionals. There are some requirements on how many hours you had to work, and you can find that information on our website. Yesterday was tax day for the federal government, but Louisiana residents will get a few more days to get in state returns. The Department of Revenue says issues with the state's computer filing system yesterday prevented many from getting their taxes filed. Therefore, an extension was made, and that will go until Friday. Attorney General Jeff Landry says Governor Edwards' recent order about masks, group gatherings, and bars are unconstitutional. Here's Matt Doyle with more. Landry wrote a letter explaining his rationale and warned law enforcement to exercise extreme caution when enforcing the orders. Governor Edwards responded saying there's no doubt he has the legal authority to do so, and the Trump administration agrees. And if he'd have been on the call uh, on Monday, he would have heard Dr. Burks refer to the day, by the way, these restrictions went into effect as a best practice. Landry is currently self-quarantining with COVID-19 and says the orders are no longer necessary because we aren't close to our medical capacity. I'm Matt Doyle. A National Retail Federation study shows the uncertainty about the upcoming school year could push back-to-school spending to record levels. NRF spokesperson Catherine Cullen says more than half of shoppers feel that some learning will occur at home and people might need to purchase some electronics. They're buying laptops and other things in anticipation of doing some of their learning from home this year. Only about 26% of most of all classes will be taught in person. That's according to some estimates. For the elementary and high school age kids, families are spending an average of $789. On average, families are planning to spend over $1,000, $1,059 to be exact, which tops last year's record of $977. Total spending for college students expecting to top $67 billion. That's a new record, up from $54.5 billion last year. They're dealing with concern about the coronavirus for themselves and their families, and they've gotten into new patterns of, of shopping. 
In some national news, President Trump is shaking up his re-election campaign less than four months before Election Day in November. Trump announced Wednesday that Brad Parscale is no longer the campaign manager. That's a role he's held since early 2018. Parscale will stay on the team with a spot in data and digital strategies. This was where he was in the 2016 election. Now, Deputy Campaign Manager Bill Steepen says that he will move into this top spot. The change comes as Trump continues to fall behind Joe Biden in a number of national and state polls and also mixed reviews for some of the events held by the campaign in the age of the coronavirus pandemic. The president picked up a major law enforcement endorsement yesterday. The National Association of Police Organizations announced it's supporting Trump in his reelection bid. The group says it recognizes what Trump calls a steadfast and very public support for officers on the front lines. The National Association of Police Organizations represents more than a thousand police units and associations around the world. More airline job cuts could be on the way as travel demand drops during the coronavirus pandemic. American Airlines on Wednesday warned that 25,000 frontline employees are preparing for possible furloughs. American urged workers to take a new buyout and early retirement packages to get people off the payroll before cuts start. The Worker Adjustment and Retraining Notification Act requires employers to give staff a 60-day notice. About 20% of the airline's workforce were told their jobs are at risk. The iconic home of the Golden Girls. It's on the market. The estate of the original owners is selling a four-bedroom home in Brentwood, California, an upscale Los Angeles neighborhood where the series was shot. The famous house built in 1955 a uh, mid-century modern architect, and it's being offered for just under $3 million if you're in the market. Then Golden Girls ran for seven seasons from 1985 to 1992. And finally, all is well this morning, but yesterday, some drama at Twitter. CEO Jack Dorsey says he will let everyone know exactly how some of the prominent accounts on the platform were hacked yesterday. Those targeted included Barack Obama, the president, Joe Biden, Jeff Bezos, and Elon Musk. Posts promised to double followers' money if they paid $1,000. They believe it might be part of a larger Bitcoin hack. You're up to date. I'm Rob Kirkpatrick. More Acadiana's Morning News is just ahead. It's going to be quiet early on today. Temperatures are going to get up to around 94 degrees. We warm up quickly, but we do have some scattered showers on the way for later on. This afternoon and evening, a 60% chance of rainfall across Acadiana today. Overnight lows going to be sitting in the mid-70s. Isolated showers again for tomorrow before drying out by the weekend. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Right now, traffic. And still getting the all clear on the roads of Acadiana. The interstates look to be moving just as they should. It is early. Let's try to keep it that way. Thursday, July 16th, 2020. Coming up on the show, Bob Character. Bob Character. Summer Bob with history. That's just. It is 637 now at Newstalk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to Acadiana's Morning News. And one of our faves, Summer Bob, is joining us on the phone. Good morning to you, sir. How many buttons are buttoned today? Good morning. You know what? I was so outraged that I can't come into the studio that, and I just pulled up in your lot, that I, I put on a T-shirt. Oh, so, the, so there's no Summer Bob really today. I don't, I don't, 
a, a Bob wearing a T-shirt is not summer Bob to me. Sorry. It just isn't. It just isn't. So you were in. That's, that's fair. Um, you were in Montana last time we talked to you. And, um, yeah. And uh, you've made your way back here. There were some that's interesting right. comments from the CDC director in the last couple of days where he seemed to insinuate maybe the problem in the South with our uptick in cases is the, the folks from the North coming down to spend holiday weekends at our beaches and our lakes and different areas as well. But you got to right. experience kind of the whole gamut because you, you drove up there. So you see varying yeah. levels of enforcement going up and then coming right. back down and it changed while you were there. It did. Yeah. So I, I mean, when on the way up, we found that things were much more restricted as we went into Nebraska and definitely into Montana um, they were requiring people to wear masks in stores, you know, before things have gotten much more out of hand, seemingly at this point. Uh, but it's interesting that everyone seems to think that it's somebody else that's bringing it to them. I have a friend in New Mexico, mm-hmm. and they're upset with people from Texas and Arizona because they feel like those people have come over and and you know reinitiated the spread. I mean, I'm sure there's some validity to it, but ultimately we're an open society and people come and go. Well, it's and that's hard. it's hard. Yeah. And that's go how ahead. it was over in Europe, because, you know, um, the countries over there are essentially like states here, you know, where you can move across. Many of them don't even have robust border control because it's all part of the right. EU, you know, that's um, right. No more border control. Well, and that's yeah, exactly. And so that's a part of it. You know, I'm anxious to see Bob, and um, and I'm sure you are too. Just given what you do, and and looking at history and how stories are retold, it's not just because I want to get out of it right now. Because I, you know, I'm a big big fan of trying to learn something in every bad situation. You know, like try to For think sure. maybe there's something we need to be learning here. But I'm anxious to look back on this to see because I think one of the questions, I guess, that's going to be a hard one to answer is going to come down to. You know, why were other countries like what was different? Why were other countries able to get it under control quicker? Now, we have seen some of the the places that opened up go back into some restrictions. Is it just going to be because we have literally so many more square miles and so many more people? Is that what it's going to come down to? I wonder, you know, I certainly that's part of it. When you look at a lot of these other places that brought things under control, their relative size to the United States is is just. It's, it's it's tiny, you know. It's much easier to manage and control um, everything in a smaller geographic location. Um, but I got to tell you, I, I, when I talk to my history friends, we we, <laughs> we sort of Sounds just like look a at each other with wide eyes and disbelief. With uh, we don't even know how to process mm-hmm. all of the things that are happening so rapidly in in a meaningful historical context. It's simply Wow. Never could have imagined. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think that is a scary thing. I want to jump into uh, your history topic today because that's always fun. And we always love that, Bob. And I think people are excited because they always learn something. What are you talking about today? All right. So, you know, today is it's interesting. We've got two potential topics um, and I, I can't do one without at least mentioning the other. So the, the one that I want to do is second, but the one that I, we've got to do is first. And that is um, right now, this morning, 
is the anniversary in 1945 of the detonation of the first atomic bomb. Wow, and, I, and I so did this see that is this in Alamogordo, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, the Manhattan Project that developed the atomic bomb during World War II created three of them. And they knew they needed one to test to see if this thing actually was going to do what they thought that it might do. And it was this morning in Alamogordo, New Mexico, about 150 miles south of Santa Fe in the middle of the desert, that they hoisted it up onto a tower and hit the button. And the the terror that a lot of the scientists had was, oh, my gosh, is this thing, because some of our calculations some people's calculations say this could actually set off a chain reaction that detonates the atmosphere. Wow. And, and you know, so it, it went well. It went as it was hoped to go, um, but ushered in clearly, uh, you know, a new age, the atomic age. So that was this morning uh, in 1945 in Alamogordo. You know, when I look at this and I, you know, obviously in school you learn about the Manhattan Project and, and also the damage that's done, because I'm pretty sure this is the location where the crater still exists, right? Like, you can still go to it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you know, it's one of my wish list places. Okay. Um, you can go twice a year, they let people out onto the site. And really what it did is it, it fused the um, the sand in this desert, the sand and rock, it fused it into glass. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, I, of, I often wonder, too, in talking about things in historical context, would something like the Manhattan Project ever get approval today? You know, I mean, I, today we would have people who, you know, were going to go out and they were going to uh, be activists for a certain lizard that lives in that part of the desert. And so you can't hurt that lizard. So we we got to pick a different spot. I mean, I just feel like people right. are so I, I, I kind of coined the well, term Facebook concerned. About everything, yeah. you know, like I'm well, shocked even that there was a chance it could have maybe, you know, set off a chain reaction and caused the atmosphere to combust. I just don't see that playing out well in Congress, per se. You know, I, it, yeah, you know, and there, you know, you can you can see that in terms of people's uh, capacity to accept, which is sort of what you're you're alluding to. But I also wonder you know, could really the reason that it was able to happen is because of the secrecy. So there yeah, was nobody, nobody knew to go out and protest the destruction of the lizard at Alamogordo. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know that that level of secrecy can exist, but I say that and I don't want to be foolish. And what I fall back on is, you know what, there were so many secret programs within governments around the world that move forward that I would be foolish to think that something similar wasn't afoot at the you know at any given time. Yeah, and and guess what? Um, newsflash to everyone who thinks they know everything because it happens on Twitter. There are still secret government programs. It's it's just it's how things happen. Right. You can't put everything out right. there on the front page for everyone to see or and, the front and, porch. And, may, and maybe maybe for the maybe for the best. Right, mm-hmm. because sometimes you got to move forward and not tell everybody what you're doing. All right, so you said that was the first part. What is the second part that goes along with the first test of an atomic bomb in the United States? So ten years, pr- ten years prior to the it's the first test of an atomic bomb was a another momentous moment, and that was the installation of the very first parking meter in Oklahoma City. <laughs> okay, how are you going to tie this together, Bob? 
outrage. I mean, I was about to say, I'm uh, I'm confident in you, but tie it together. <laughs> I'm not sure I can actually tie it together. But it is absolutely worth considering that this this guy, Charles McGee, invented the park o meter. And this leads to another question. Why always Oh, why is it a barrel? Oh, monkeys. Why? What is the O in these things? But yeah. that's that's for another day. He invents the parko meter uh, to address parking concerns and congestions that are arising on the streets of America in 1935. Right in 1935, this was this was the concern, and so they developed the parking meter. A lot of people thought that this was the answer to their prayers in downtowns across America because the parking turnover would increase and therefore customers and businesses would increase. Interesting thought. And a lot thought. of people felt that this was just a revenue grab by the cities and they couldn't put up with it. Hmm. I guess right. it could be either way. I mean, I understand what they say. If you do that turnover, then you do have more and more people at least maybe walking in front of your businesses. Cause, and what you have to think about this is is the, the time that you're talking about, we're not talking about big downtowns like, uh, you know, down Manhattan. We're talking about Main Street areas where, you know, you have to walk in front of these businesses and maybe you walk in front of the butcher shop or you walk in front of the grocery store. Right. I mean, regular businesses like that. Yeah, and they wanted they wanted more turnover. The, fi- the thing that I find it interesting is one of the arguments against it were some of the very same arguments that we put up in the face of uh, red light cameras. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and some of that is, you know, this is just to make money. And, and you go back with parking meters and it was this, this was just to make money. Um, but they, they're still with us, clearly. And the uh, Parco Meter Company that was established way back when is still the main producer of these, these, uh, these devices. All right. So one of our astute listeners has thrown a flag on one of your earlier comments. Uh, do you want right. to, will you accept uh, some feedback here? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So this is Janice, okay? Janice said, um, you can't make the comparison between Parkometer and Barrel O' Monkeys because the O in Barrel O' Monkeys is clearly to represent of. Two different things. So she says she's throwing a flag. And right. um, well, you it's can let Janice know that that's it. Uh, I officially quit, and <laughs> I will never do this again. <laughs> so, I I yeah, am used Rob, to teaching can students take, who can't I can talk about criticism, <laughs> and I can respond to it. <laughs> okay, look, here's another thing that I wrote down to talk to you because you know we're talking about monuments, and we've been talking a lot about um, uh, obviously civil unrest has, has happened. It seems to have calmed down a bit. The racial conversation. Yeah is back and and people are talking about it and and some say there has been maybe more movement this time than other places but i am often drawn back to things that i can still hear my mom like in the silence of a quiet house in the morning and i can still hear her saying things like don't believe the worst in people everyone has a bad day or little things you know just just things okay And the yeah. one thing that I come back to into watching a lot of this stuff, and it goes with the mask debate, it goes with the monument debate, it goes with the protest debate, is to each his own. And that's something that we have sort of let go out the window. Because think about it. The Facebook culture, to each his own, runs exactly counter to all the conversations I mean, that you <laughs> see pe- people getting so fired up. Imagine how quickly, if everyone just said... You know what? To each his own. 
then social media would be so much more boring. Well, and and we would all be so much better off. I know, because that is the fact. I mean, it, what is it really? I, I remember kind of getting into this conversation with my dad about the chop zone in Seattle. Uh-huh. And I was like, but dad, you do realize that this is in Seattle and, you know, you live thousands of miles away. Well, I know, but if it can happen there, it can happen anywhere. And I said, you need to look up the history of how they police in Seattle. It's very hands off to start with. You know, like it's not like we're changing Dallas, Texas, and the, the Texas Ranger form of policing and letting something like that happen. But if maybe we could all sleep right. easier if we just sit back and say, you know what, teaches them. Just well, whatever yeah, you want that, to do. That would, that would be good. I, I feel like in the, the heat of these moments, we get too far away from that, uh, especially to the point where you're not even allowed to have an alternative question to some of the larger um, movements at hand. And if you, if you make a mistake, a twist of tongue, and you say something that is deemed uh, inappropriate uh, or unacceptable to a current movement, then, then the, the, the hate that comes down on you is, is swift yeah. and a little bit too intense. Well, um, I, yeah. As I've said more times than I'm, than I'm comfortable with, they chewed up and spit out Drew Brees. If you think you're better than that, we have some conversations to have. It could happen to you, too. Right. You know? I mean, yeah. wow. Well, Bob Carricker, Summer Bob, always uh, always good for a laugh. And uh, Janice said, by the way, let him know I enjoy the segments. I just got a good <laughs> laugh this morning about the comparison of Parkometer and Barrel of Monkeys. And so I'm glad you could be a comedic relief, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> All right, parking meters and atomic bombs. <laughs> you know what? That now that makes more sense to Janice, apparently. Thanks for listening, Janice. <laughs> All right. 651 now at Newstalk 96.5 KPL. Bob Carricker, thanks so much for your time, sir. Absolutely. All right, we're back with more of Katie morning news coming up. It's Thursday, and that means Lafayette Live with Mayor President Josh Guillory. That and more coming up right here on Newstalk 96.5 KPL. Stay with us. Since COVID-19 took over our lives, you're probably spending more time on news sites just looking for answers. How bad is it? Any new symptoms? Where's the vaccine? Because so much of the news today is downright depressing. You're now doom surfing or doom scrolling. Today, what you can do about it. Your Thursday Consumer Tech Update is brought to you by Honey, the free online tool that automatically finds and applies promo codes to your cart. Visit joinhoney.com slash Kim. News story after story, Facebook post after post. You're doom scrolling, hoping for something positive until you go down the rabbit hole with no concept of time. It's bad for your mental health. If you're spending an inordinate amount of time with online news, change the habit. Listen to a podcast, hopefully one not about COVID-19. Try meditating, reading a book, or going for a walk. Or just set a timer so you only have five minutes to catch up on the news. When there is a vaccine, trust me, we'll all know about it really quickly. I'm Kim Commando. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you need a pair of premium wireless earbuds and Raycon is the way to go. Raycons start at about half the price of other premium brands on the market and they sound just as amazing. Their everyday E25 earbuds are their best model yet with six hours of playtime, more bass, and a comfortable noise-isolating fit you can rock all day long. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com kim. That's buyraycon.com slash Kim, buyraycon.com slash Kim. Honey is the free online shopping tool that automatically finds the best promo codes and applies them to your cart. And now it's part of the PayPal family. 
Just add Honey to your computer and shop on all your favorite sites like normal. When you check out, click the Apply Coupons button that pops up. Then watch your price drop. Not using Honey is literally passing up free money. Plus, it's free to use and installs in just seconds. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Kim. Joinhoney.com slash Kim. Phone lines are open. Call the show at 232-1542. 232-1542. Then listen live anytime with the free KPL News app. Free in the App Store or Google Play. The Rush Morning Update is brought to you by Luxury Limo of Lafayette. Book your next traveling party at LuxuryLimoOfLafayette.net. The LA Times just ran a long piece by Jody Rosen calling for a new national anthem. Now he notes that last month San Francisco protesters pulled down the statue of Francis Scott Key in Golden Gate Park. Scott Key wrote the words to the Star Spangled Banner that the left now calls racist. Besides, very few singers can do justice to that difficult tune. It's a British melody anyway. So the anthem has to go. Now what should replace it? Well, Mr. Rosen claims that songs like Lift Every Voice and Sing and America the Beautiful are out of step with the 21st century. This land is your land. That doesn't cut it either, Rosen says, because it insults indigenous Americans, even though it was written by Woody Guthrie, a big loony lefty. Imagine by John Lennon. That's another British song with drippy utopianism. Plus, Lennon was super rich, so nobody buys his daydream of a world with no possessions because he would never get rid of his. Well, then what's the perfect song that should replace the Star Spangled Banner? Rosen proposes Lean On Me by Bill Withers. Its message is, I'll take care of you, you take care of me. Everybody knows it and everybody can sing it. This is the kind of story we would laugh at 20 years ago, but not anymore. This stuff can't be laughed off. These people are dead serious. And don't rule out that somebody of considerable weight is actually gonna suggest this someday down the road. Sometimes in life, it's easy to settle for good enough. But with identity theft protection, good enough isn't enough. Data breaches appear to be happening more and more, placing your data in the wrong hands, and that leads to identity theft. Now, if you're only monitoring your credit, you could miss certain threats, like somebody selling your info on the dark web. LifeLock sees a wide range of identity threats. And if you end up with an identity theft issue, a restoration specialist dedicated to your case will work to fix it. Now look, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all the transactions at all businesses, but shouldn't you have identity theft protection that's better than just good enough? Go to lifelock.com or call them at 800-440-4833. Use my name as the promo code, that's Rush. Save up to 25% off your first year. Lifelock.com, promo code Rush, 25%. We're working for you around the clock to keep you informed. We are a KDMS home for news and talk. KPEL-FM Brokerage, Lafayette. Sixty-seven thousand coronavirus cases. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. New one-day record in the U.S. Thirteen states have hit all-time highs in new infections this week, including Alabama, where people are required to wear masks in public starting today. I always prefer personal responsibility over a government 
mandate. But Governor Kay Ivey says the numbers are going too far in the wrong direction. But Georgia's governor, also a Republican, is doing the opposite. Brian Kemp rescinding the local mask-wearing orders in communities in his state. Masks are only encouraged now. President Trump has a new campaign manager. Bill Stepien takes over. Brad Parscale gets a demotion to senior advisor. That came after the president's law and order message got him the endorsement from the National Organization of Police Associations. He has advocated on our behalf on a continuous basis. That's organization President Mick McHale. Those police unions endorsed President Obama twice when Joe Biden was vice president. Now, the presumed Democratic nominee says if elected, he will reform police and require every police department in the country to review hiring, training and de-escalation practices. Twitter's CEO called it a tough day. Still dealing with a hack to prominent accounts, Fox's Tanya J. Powers has more live. Dave, Twitter officials say the hack to its platform yesterday was a coordinated social engineering attack that targeted some of its employees who had access to internal systems and tools. The hackers broke into the Twitter accounts of high-profile verified users, including former President Obama, presumptive Democratic nominee Joe Biden, tech billionaires like Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos, and even celebrities. Now, the hackers posted tweets offering to send $2,000 for every 1000 sent to an anonymous Bitcoin address. The accounts were quickly locked down the fake tweets deleted Dave. america's listening to fox news big news david horowitz's new book blitz just hit the new york times bestseller list blitz reveals the real agenda of antifa and the secret billionaires out to stop president trump mike huckabee says if everyone read blitz trump would win you've seen david horowitz on newsmax tv he predicts more attacks on trump this summer get david horowitz's new bestseller blitz at bookstores or get the free offer and save 28 dollars. call 800 newsmax or go to blitz 411.com that's blitz 411.com it's happening in just days. Publishers Clearinghouse will be ready to award $7,000 a week for life. That's $7,000 a week, week after week, for life. Don't miss your last chance to win. Go to PCH.com and enter before it's too late. That's PCH.com. Better hurry if you want the next big winner to be you. Enter now at PCH.com. Entries due 826. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Later this hour, we'll find out how many more out-of-work Americans filed new jobless claims last week and how many more are still collecting unemployment checks. They've all been getting a lot more in those checks thanks to the extra cash from the federal government that may run out. An extra $600 per week in unemployment insurance will expire this month, and lawmakers have not settled on whether all or part of that benefit should be renewed. That pillar is about putting money into the pockets of the American people. But House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says enhanced unemployment insurance is just one part. Another part is direct payments to taxpayers. Republican leaders have expressed unease with renewing enhanced unemployment insurance by $600 a week, arguing it could disincentivize some workers to return to their jobs. Jared Halpern, Fox News. American Airlines still dealing with reduced travel is warning 25,000 employees they could be furloughed. The carriers prohibited from slashing jobs or pay rates through September the 30th under terms of the Federal CARES Act, which offered billions of dollars in bailout funds to the industry. American is also asking employees to take buyouts and early retirement packages before being forced to cut their jobs. Earlier this month, United warned it could furlough 36,000 workers. Fox's Hillary Barsky cruises remain on 
hold, still stuck in this crisis. Cruise ship passengers Ronald and Eva Weisberger say they're owed damages from Grand Princess and the Carnival Corporation. They didn't catch the coronavirus while on board a vessel, but say the emotional distress they endured over fears of COVID merits more than $1 million, and the cruise ship company should pay up. A federal judge, though, is rejecting their argument and their lawsuit. <laughs> The ruling warns if the suit were to proceed, it could lead to a flood of trivial lawsuits. Tom Graham, Fox News. On Wall Street, stocks could drop down futures down nearly 200 points. I'm Dave Anthony. This is Fox News. Your 24-7 news source, on air, online, and with the Cape Hill News app. Now the headlines from the Cape Hill News Center. Good morning, I'm Rob Kirkpatrick. On this Thursday morning, Louisiana State Police investigating an officer-involved shooting that left a suspect in critical condition. State Police Troop I spokesman Thomas Gossin says Lafayette Police requested their assistance, a normal procedure for this type of incident. Yesterday, during a traffic stop, a suspect fled on foot. It's at that time, the officer says, a suspect fired shots. The officer returned fire, striking the suspect. That suspect, taken to the hospital and remains in critical condition, no officer was injured in the shooting. Louisiana State Attorney General Jeff Landry is pushing back on the governor's latest COVID-19 proclamation, which includes a mask mandate. In a nine-page opinion sent to Republican lawmakers working to strip the governor of some of his powers under the state of emergency, Landry says there are some questions about its constitutionality, especially a decision to ban bars, quote, carte blanche. Jeff Landry will join us on Acadiana's Morning News at 8.20 this morning. You can read more about the opinion at kpel965.com. Beginning today, seven state offices of motor vehicle locations will be open for in-person appointment-only service. KTC is reporting that these Acadiana offices are the ones that will accept appointments. Brobridge, Marksville, and Opelousas. The Karen Crow location remains closed. You can make your appointment on the OMV website. We have a link for you at kpel965.com. Consumers are planning to spend a record amount to prepare students for heading back to school and college. Brooke Thorrington has the story. NRF spokesperson Catherine Collins says more than half of shoppers feel that some learning will occur at home and they'll need to purchase more electronics. They're looking to buy laptops, speakers, headphones, and even things like printers or a computer mouse. For the elementary to high school age kids, families on average are expecting to spend almost $100 more than last year. Families are planning to spend an average of $789. And for the first time, average spending for college families is over a grand. I'm Brooke Thorrington. Louisiana Restaurant Association estimates the pandemic economy will result in the loss of nearly a quarter of the state's restaurants. President Stan Harris says for many restaurants, there's just no way to weather the storm, even with the federal aid that has been received. Some folks in the full service business are not able to pivot and, and do it 30 or 40 percent revenue. And in the quick service business, they've been able to pivot because they have a lot of drive through in their business. With restaurants suffering, the state's service economy is getting hammered. Harris says that's why we need Congress to extend enhanced unemployment benefits before they run out at the end of the month. It may not be as robust as the $600 a week, but it may be something in the $200 to $400 a week range. So uh, we're hopeful that that's going to happen. Harris made the comments on the governor's monthly call-in talk show, Ask the Governor. The longest-serving executive director of Louisiana's Democratic Party is stepping away to pursue new challenges. That announcement first made on Up Close with Bernadette Lee. Kevin Barnhart has more. 
eight and a half years. I think I've done my time. Stephen Hedwork says he's moving on at the end of August and says he's proud of the many accomplishments of the party during his time, including flipping the governor's mansion blue and keeping it that way for a second term. Hedwork offers this advice to the party going forward. We all as a party have to be doing a lot better in not only recruiting candidates, but then also being able to support them. So that is certainly where I'm going to be focusing a lot of my time in my next endeavor. I'm Kevin Barnhart. And finally, the U.S. Supreme Court has lifted an injunction on another federal execution. The court was divided on Wednesday's decision with the four liberal judges dissenting. The order lifts an injunction against the death sentence of Wesley Perkey. He was scheduled to be executed yesterday afternoon. Perkey was convicted of kidnapping and murdering a teenage girl in Kansas City back in 1998. His attorneys have argued that he's mentally unfit for execution and has severe dementia. It's the second injunction against a federal execution to be lifted this week. This news update is brought to you by Seize the Deal and Eat Lafayette, teaming up to offer you 10 incredible buy one, get one free deals at 10 local restaurants. The deal goes live at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning at SeizeTheDeal.com and at KPEL965.com. If you've shopped with Seize the Deal before, you can look for the deal in your email inbox. $25 is all the deal costs, and it's a great way to experience new Eat Lafayette restaurants and treat your friends while you're doing it. Restaurants participating include La Pizzeria Karen Crow, Burgersmith, Tabuli Lebanese Cuisine, Poor Boys Riverside Inn, Gary's World Famous Plate Lunches and Hamburgers, Blue Basil Wine and Grill, Young's Sports Grill, Ciro's Bistro, Broadus Burgers, and Acadiana Bar and Grill. With the deal, you purchase one entree and two drinks and get a second entree of equal or lesser value for free. The deal allows for one BOGO deal at each of the participating restaurants. You're going to want to snatch that up tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock at kpel965.com. We're getting a little bit of a break in this, what has been fairly hot pattern across Acadiana, an upper level low going to be moving its way across the region today. And that's going to be good for sparking some showers and thunderstorms a little bit later on. It's going to help kind of erase some of the high pressure as well, which has been the main culprit of our warm up here the last couple of days. Be on the lookout for a little bit of rainfall. We'll keep the rain chances going at about 60%. Now they don't kick in until the afternoon. So we're, we are still going to see the temperatures get up to about 94 by the end of the day today. Lows tonight sit down in the mid-70s. we got some more scattered showers on the way for tomorrow, but then essentially drying out for the weekend. Saturday is going to be a dry and hot day. Same with Sunday. I think isolated to scattered showers will be returning almost every day through next week. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Right now, 79 degrees here at KPEL. News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Right now, traffic. So double-checking traffic. Uh, Fender Bender, Cameron Street at Topeka Road. That's Cameron Street at Topeka Road. Got a Fender Bender. Oh, nope. Traffic crash with injuries. This is over in Scott, Westgate Road at Olive Vista Drive. In Scott, Westgate Road at Olive Vista Drive. And that's crash with injuries. Please make sure that you're buckling up and that you're keeping it safe out there today. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's What so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes 
and bright stars through the perilous fight. a public servant never stops. Well, you know, it's funny. Anytime we're on the phone with someone, there is inevitably someone who's asking them something else. Right. You know, like it, yeah. it's just, it's you just have life. to juggle too many plates. Yeah. Um, by the way, um, Jude from Austin, he sent us um, in, during the news at the top. Um, he said, if y'all run out of things to do with um, with the mayor president this yeah. morning, okay. here's a fun party game. And it's who said it, Trump, Biden or Kanye? <laughs> And so I actually think I want to play that. <laughs> I actually think we might have too much to to jump off on, but um, I mean I'll throw out one. Okay, Burn, you guess. Josh, you guess. Okay. Um, okay, let's see. Um, you've never been to a caucus? No, you haven't. You're a lying dog face pony soldier. Uh, Trump said that. Josh, your guess. Kanye. Y'all were both wrong. It was Biden. Oh! <laughs> Anyway, uh, maybe we'll play some more of that a little bit later on in the hour. Josh Guillory's here for Lafayette Live. The other one that I thought was hilarious. Now, this one, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it, throw it out there. This one was Kanye, and it says, when you're the absolute best, you get hated the most. Oh, so there maybe you the go. most true thing he's ever said. You know. But By the way, um, don't get excited about running to vote for him for the polls. He had someone working on filing FEC papers, and um, oh. it did not work out. Oh. So the that, oh. that attorney said... I tried, but it didn't work. And anyway, so, so he's not running for office now. No, he's not. Okay, at least legally. I mean, not this time. 
Some places you can write things in. You can well, write your dog's name in if you want. That's true. You know. um, Southside Roofing uh, is the proud sponsor of Lafayette Live, and we do it each and every week with Mayor President Josh Guillory. Now, here is the gist of what we do. Our phone lines are wide open. We have someone across the hall answering your phone calls. If you have comments, if you have questions, uh, we're going to jump into several topics. Just uh, give us a call, and this is your shot to get your questions answered by Mayor President Josh Guillory. All right, so let's uh, start uh, with the mask mandate. So, you know, the people are really polarized on it. Mm-hmm. However, we have gotten comments from your office, from the sheriff here in, in Lafayette, about how enforcement would happen. And it really comes down to on the businesses. If the businesses want someone gone that's not following the rules because they're worried about their own license, that's something that the, the sheriff's department will deal with. So just kind of give me the 30,000-foot view from your uh, chair, where you're, what you're looking at, and what you're hearing. Well, the, again, good morning to you both. You know, I always look forward to Thursday and visiting with our neighbors here on Lafayette Live. It's it's one of my favorite days of the week, and I, I genuinely mean that. Um, before we got on the air, it was, it was really Lafayette Live. You guys heard me talk to a neighbor as I was driving in the car. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's right. If you live next door and to him, I, that's I really that. Lafayette I, Live. <laughs> I, know, I welcome that. That's good. Um, so, thirty thousand foot view is. I still, say, I still say what I said from the beginning, and quite frankly, I say what the governor said about two weeks ago. Enforceability of a mandate of a mask is, is it may feel good to say. It may, it may feel like you're doing the, the greatest thing in the world as the government, but the enforceability of it is a challenge. And, and unfortunately, our firefighters and our police officers here locally are, are witnessing that challenge. Now, we're doing the best that we can because, as, as I've said, also said, I'm not an obstructionist. we got to follow the law, and right now, Right now, the law is the the governor issued an executive order, and it's the law until it's no longer the law. Now, that being said, on the legal side, our attorney general issued an opinion yesterday, and I'll tell you, I read it in in detail, went back and skimmed through a few areas, and nowhere did I see that he challenged the the lawfulness of the executive order. It's meaning meaning that the governor could issue an executive order, but he challenged it on a constitutional grounds. And and I'm I'm, I'm, quite frankly, I'm kind of shocked. It's Thursday, and I I Googled it, and I've asked around. I I don't know of any lawsuit against the governor for a temporary restraint order. I see those across the country, businesses filing for injunctions and uh, saying that it's government overreach and things like that. Now, you guys may know, but I, I, I haven't come across a lawsuit from a business that has sued the governor, but I, I'll tell you, the attorney general, from a legal standpoint, lays out a very compelling argument, in my opinion. Now, we as as leaders, especially those of us in the executive branch, whether you're mayor, parish president, um, blessed to be both, uh, or at the governor's office or in the, uh, the executive's office in the, in the White House, we can't just look at it through the one lens. We can't look at it through just the medical lens. We can't look at it just from the economic lens. We can't. We should always look at it through the legal lens. Um, but there's a lot of factors, is what I'm saying. So right now, from a 30,000 foot view, it's, it's a lawful order until it's no longer a lawful order. So therefore, we we have to enforce it. Now, the way that we enforce here locally is we try to set people up for success, not failure. And we have compliance checks with our fire department and our police department, just like we've been. Uh, that's we've been doing that for months now that we go around with businesses and we try to hey do you, do you understand the the updated executive orders from baton rouge do you have any questions do you need the mask for your employees even under safe shop we require masks for employees uh, which was i feel narrowly tailored as opposed to a broad overreach but regardless i think now we have a duty if you read the attorney general's opinion i feel like we have a duty now to also just enclose a copy of the attorney general's order with our uh, with our compliance checks, just to say to the businesses, you know, just also as of yesterday, we have a your chief legal officer issued a 
an opinion that you may want to go talk to your attorney about because in that opinion it talks about acting under the color of law and acts and and as businesses could be possibly viewed as an extension of uh, uh, government actions uh, acting under the color of law. And that's very important in the legal world because if you violate someone's constitutional rights under the color of law, you could be held liable. And that is that is important. So mm-hmm. all these things are important, and we're juggling all these different factors. But for everybody listening out there, um, notice the Attorney General didn't say COVID was fake. He didn't say coronavirus was fake. He was just, he was just pointing on the overreach of the government, which many people will agree with that. Um, so that being said, my, I, look, let's go back to what we've been talking about. It starts with you and me. I don't think anybody needs the government to tell them to wear a mask if you can't socially distance during a world pandemic. I don't think anybody needs the government to tell you to wash your hands. And I don't think anybody needs the government to tell you to continue to talk to your healthcare providers. Talk to the people that went to school for this. They are on the boots on ground. They're in the trenches. They're they're treating people every day uh, with this with this virus that has has caused fatality. So you know, but we don't need the government in our backyard on every single decision. I think that's the point of the attorney general. And quite frankly, brought some very valid constitutional points. So we're going to talk to Attorney General Jeff Landry again this morning at eight twenty, and we'll ask him some more specifics. However, one of the things in his comments he made to Bernie yesterday on up close was that there was no benchmark. Now, we know when we were initially talking about flattening the curve, everyone was aware that what we were trying to do is to keep people out of the hospitals for as long as possible. Now, mm-hmm. I, I think also people misunderstood flattening the curve because it wasn't meant to create a cliff where all the deaths and hospitalizations dropped right, off. Right. It was meant to make them all not happen at the same time and happen over a period of a month or yeah, two. Yeah, that would be manageable. Yeah, what it would or, be manageable. Yeah, hospital so staff, personnel, etc. What the, what the attorney general asked yesterday was, what's the benchmark now? And you're mm-hmm. in these meetings, you have your own task force, Dr. Tina Stefanski, which, you know, who I can't say enough about because she is so responsive to our questions when we have one or we have a clarification we need. Um, but what are we working towards now? Are we still trying to keep the healthcare system from being overrun? Is there another benchmark that you're looking at, especially as we talk about things like going back to school? So great, great, great question. And I, I encourage everyone to try not to make our medical experts political. You guys are not. You, you've always handled yourself with professionalism in class. And, and I appreciate that just as, as your neighbor. Um, so, over the weekend, I called an emergency medical task force meeting because the governor's issuing the mandate, and I wanted to kind of get their take on it from a medical view. Felt like it's my duty, and I asked that very question. I said, "Guys, what's the goal? What's the goal? I need to know where we're going. I need to know what the direction of the from the. I'm not a medical doctor. Tell me, tell me the medical experts. You know, tell me what you're what you're thinking. And um, you know, it had some good feedback, and and I, I feel that, that first of all, there's no definitive answer. But I think the consensus is to continue to not strain the resources of the healthcare system. Um, and, and I said, okay, well, when's that end? I mean, do, I mean, I know you don't have a crystal ball. You can't say, okay, by November fourth this year it's going to end. Um, but you know, they, they basically said, hey, until a vaccine comes, until until the until it's manageable. Um, but there is no clear def- if there was a clear definitive goal, we would know it because I don't believe any of our medical doctors are, are hiding that information. I know, and no one on my medical task force our medical task force here in the parish is hiding that information they're they're doing the very best that they can um and and i'll tell you to to have some busy physicians and and region four director tina savansky dr savansky who leads our our parish task force to drop what they're doing on the weekend to get on a task force call with the mayor president to 
give them the best advice that they have. I mean, you know their heart's in the right place. I mean, these are busy individuals, and they're, they're yeah. in, they, they are in the fight, you know? They're so exhausted, no one, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, they are, but they, look, they're warriors. They got this. Yep. Um, so the, the problem, and, and again, what we're talking about with what the attorney general is, his, his component of it is, you know, he's our chief legal officer of the state. Just like our medical task force, they're, they're focused purely on the medical side of this. We need our chief legal officer to focus on the constitution and to focus on the legal aspects of it. So I don't, what I, you can't just have a conversation on how we combat COVID. You shouldn't have the conversation solely be around one issue. If we're just talking about medical, then we're going to, all of us are going to handle ourselves a lot differently. If we're just talking about the economics of this, then we're going to handle ourselves differently. And if you're talking about it from the constitutional side of this, which the attorney general is doing, you're, you're going to handle it differently. So the the key is how do we juggle all of that and move forward? And I I believe that everybody in good faith is trying to do that. Most people are trying to do that. Um, So from but but from a constitutional standpoint, look, I'm telling you, the attorney general is making solid points, in my opinion. Um, You know, and I will say this, if in in case anyone is waking up this morning and needs to hear that um, this area has a lot of great uh, medical professionals, but we have far fewer doctors than Facebook would lead you to believe. (laughs) Okay, I mean, sometimes you have to ask your questions. Would I let this person give me stitches? Like, I love Bernie, but, you know, if she was spouting off some crazy on Facebook, I'd say, would I want her to repair my broken foot? And the answer would probably be an unequivocal no. no. Um, All right, we're going to take a quick break here. Mayor President Josh Guillory joins us on the phone. The phone number is... Yeah, I was going to say, how do we get our questions 232-1542. 232-1542. I have a question on deck from Lori. We're going to ask it when we come back to Lafayette Live, brought to you by Southside Roofing. I'm Bernadette Lee, and you're listening to News Talk 96.5 KPL. All right, so we also accept questions via email as well. I should put it out there, news at kpel965.com, or you can send us a message on Facebook. Look, we're out there. Find us and ask your question to Mayor President Josh Guillory. He joins us for Lafayette Live. Lori wants your thoughts about the Airbnb ordinance. So to give a little bit of background, you know, there are people on both sides of this issue. One side says, look, it's my property and I want to be able to use it and be a small business owner and help it make me rental income. Then the other side says, wait a second, I want to know who's going to be next door in my neighborhood. Are there going to be different people every day? So, you know, I think a lot of this uh, mayor president will center around like big holidays, whether it's Mardi Gras or maybe Festival International, when people are coming to town in droves, that it would really make a difference. Um, but right now, uh, we have the councils uh, looking at an audience, or specifically the city council, for uh, how Airbnb, Airbnb rentals should be regulated. And and I, I want to say to everyone, we're not trailblazing anything. This conversation has happened in almost every city that now has Airbnb to make sure the rules were tailored so that residents are comfortable. So where are you on it and what do you think is going to happen? Rob, you just, you just nailed the language on, you know, on the head and that's to tailor rules that make the residents uh, comfortable. And that that's the goal. Look, I spoke to each of the city council members individually on this, just to get their thoughts. Our director of planning and zoning uh, development and planning, sorry, the t- title changed a few years ago. Um, Mary Sliman has talked to all the council members individually, just get their feedback. And right now, uh, someone, I believe at the last council meeting coined the term, it's the wild, wild west right now. And I tend to agree with it because there, there are no rules and and just to be clear for everybody what the the zoning that we're talking about is rs1 which is primarily re- what is residential so it's a very sensitive area in the in the city 
Uh, it's not where it's mixed zoning or commercial or anything like that. Um, so it is it is purely the RS1. The the intent that I that I'm that I'm hearing from the city council and and myself and the administration is we want to make sure we get a handle on this. Um, but my gut feeling tells me whatever rules we come up with, we're, we're going to have to be flexible. We're going to need to hear from the public some more. So I'm glad this is coming up. I, I don't think and that it is, nor should it be the last conversation we have on this, because Lafayette is late to the game and for, as far as getting rules for these Airbnbs. Now, I also can tell you that the, my intent is, and, and I think this, I'm pretty confident city council uh, expressed their views too, that they agree with this, is we don't want to punish the Airbnbs that do exist that have been very good citizens, good for commerce, good for tourism, uh, for Lafayette, good neighbors, you know, kept up the place, didn't, didn't have all these wild parties or anything like that, any police called out or any, any just, uh, civil harassment, uh, measures taken. So we don't, you know, we don't want to punish those guys. And, and if there are a couple Airbnbs out there that, that have, um, either, not been a good neighbor. I'll just summarize it that way. And it doesn't have to rise to the level of, of criminal activity because this is a civil matter most of the time. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to do is develop a mechanism, a procedural device, a procedural path for um, those particular properties to be identified through the certificate of occupancy process. See, right now there is no certificate of occupancy process. There are no rules, uh, you know, that and Airbnb put some rules on there, which is good. And that's fantastic. And usually a private sector will have some pretty common sense measures to regulate the particular industry that, that that's at issue uh, but in this case there are a little bit of issues and and you know you see cities across the country put in some rules that rob do exactly what you said put in some rules in place that make the residents feel comfortable and safe uh, Lafayette is a is a, a happy town, a happy city. Uh, I think we got an award on that a few years ago, Happy City USA, and and you know it's it's a warm and comfortable city. And we want to keep it that way. And now you know it's funny because anytime one of these new models and and you know Airbnb is hardly new if, if it's just due to an area, it's sort of the way. I, and I think what a lot of people get worried about is okay, well, what does the hotel industry have as far as any sort of I guess, insight or influence on how this decision goes, because that's a direct competitor. The same way the cab companies thought about Uber and Lyft when those happen. Um, are you dealing with that side too? Cause that's what I'm seeing a lot of the discussion being around. If, if it's the hotel groups that, that don't want it and they're pushing to not have it. Well, uh, and, and now, Rob, I hate to do this. You're breaking up on me a little bit. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Yes. Yep, you're doing right. okay. The last, part, the last <laughs> part I heard of that, co- that question was hotel. Are you asking me whether the, the hotels were pushing back? Yeah, well, just just what do they have any influence in this decision? Obviously, because it's a whole other competitor, and I'm, I'm sort of seeing that kind of take on a life of its own in some of the social media discussions. yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. So we have, we've also talked to, to ho- many people in the hotel industry. Gen- generally, the consensus is this. Um, you know, they don't want to have, they don't want Airbnbs to have a, an unfair advantage. And, and we're taking that in consideration as well. I, I, that's the, honestly the summarized answer. And, and I can, I can understand where they're coming from. You. And, you know, my, my, my take on that right now is, um, without without some rules, they they may have an unfair advantage because, like I said, it's it's um, it's unregulated right now outside of the Airbnb on the um, Airbnb rules on the civil side. On that side, okay, we're going to take a quick break here. We're joined by Lafayette Mayor President Josh Guillory. Uh, coming up, a question we have in about Moncus Park and when it will open. We will talk to Mayor President Josh Guillory about that and other developments like that when we come back on Lafayette Live. 
This is Acadiana's home for breaking news and weather. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Depend on it. Grab. It's the bottom of the hour. Now the top stories from KPL96.5.com. Good morning, I'm Rob Kirkpatrick. Showers in the forecast today expected to break the days-long heat wave in Acadiana. Your high today is 95, and Daniel Phillips has your forecast coming up. The website that is handling applications for frontline workers in Louisiana to get that one-time $250 payment from the state, well, it had some major issues yesterday. According to officials with Louisiana Department of Revenue, via a press release, some 14,000 applications were accepted before there was a connectivity issue that brought the whole process to a halt. Following people are eligible for that one-time $250 check from the state, essential workers, frontline workers, and healthcare professionals. There are some requirements on how many hours you had to work, and you can find that information on our website. Yesterday was tax day for the federal government, but Louisiana residents will get a few more days to get in state returns. The Department of Revenue says issues with the state's computer filing system yesterday prevented many from getting their taxes filed. Therefore, an extension was made, and that will go until Friday. Attorney General Jeff Landry says Governor Edwards' recent order about masks, group gatherings, and bars are unconstitutional. Here's Matt Doyle with more. Landry wrote a letter explaining his rationale and warned law enforcement to exercise extreme caution when enforcing the orders. Governor Edwards responded saying there's no doubt he has the legal authority to do so, and the Trump administration agrees. And if he'd have been on the call uh, on Monday, he would have heard Dr. Birch refer to the day, by the way, these restrictions went into effect as a best practice. Landry is currently self-quarantining with COVID-19 and says the orders are no longer necessary because we aren't close to our medical capacity. I'm Matt Doyle. A National Retail Federation study shows the uncertainty about the upcoming school year could push back-to-school spending to record levels. NRF spokesperson Catherine Cullen says more than half of shoppers feel that some learning will occur at home and people might need to purchase some electronics. They're buying laptops and other things in anticipation of doing some of their learning from home this year. Only about 26% of most of all classes will be taught in person. That's according to some estimates. For the elementary and high school age kids, families are spending an average of $789. On average, families are planning to spend over $1,000, $1,059 to be exact, which tops last year's record of $977. Total spending for college students expecting to top $67 billion. That's a new record, up from $54.5 billion last year. They're dealing with concern about the coronavirus for themselves and their families, and they've gotten into new patterns of, of shopping. In some national news, President Trump is shaking up his re-election campaign less than four months before Election Day in November. Trump announced Wednesday that Brad Parscale's no longer the campaign manager. That's a role he's held since early 2018. Parscale will stay on the team with a spot in data and digital strategies, this was where he was in the 2016 election. Now, Deputy Campaign Manager Bill Steepen says that he will move into this top spot. The change comes as Trump continues to fall behind Joe Biden in a number of national and state polls and also mixed reviews for some of the events held by the campaign in the age of the coronavirus pandemic. The president picked up a major law enforcement endorsement yesterday. The National Association of Police Organizations announced it's supporting Trump in his re-election bid. The group says it recognizes what Trump calls a steadfast and very public support for officers on the front lines. The National Association of Police Organizations represents more than a 1,000 police units 
and associations around the world. More airline job cuts could be on the way as travel demand drops during the coronavirus pandemic. American Airlines on Wednesday warned that 25,000 frontline employees are preparing for possible furloughs. American urged workers to take a new buyout and early retirement packages to get people off the payroll before cuts start. The Worker Adjustment and Retraining Notification Act requires employers to give staff a 60-day notice. About 20% of the airline's workforce were told their jobs are at risk. The iconic home of the Golden Girls. It's on the market. The estate of the original owners is selling a four-bedroom home in Brentwood, California, an upscale Los Angeles neighborhood where the series was shot. The famous house built in 1955, a mid-century modern architect, and it's being offered for just under $3 million if you're in the market. The Golden Girls ran for seven seasons from 1985 to 1992. And finally, all is well this morning, but yesterday, some drama at Twitter. CEO Jack Dorsey says he will let everyone know exactly how some of the prominent accounts on the platform were hacked yesterday. Those targeted included Barack Obama, the president, Joe Biden, Jeff Bezos, and Elon Musk. Posts promised to double followers money if they paid $1,000. They believe it might be part of a larger Bitcoin hack. You're up to date. I'm Rob Kirkpatrick. More Acadiana's Morning News is just ahead. Some widely scattered showers and thunderstorms are going to be able to break up this heat wave a little bit later on this afternoon. Now, it's still going to be pretty hot today. We're going to get up to about 94 degrees in the late afternoon. Showers will start to fire off in the later parts of the day today with clouds arriving by about lunchtime. Overnight lows sit in the mid-70s. And as we look ahead into tomorrow, another 40% chance of rain there for your Friday before drying out in time for the weekend. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 79 degrees here at KPL. Our weather update brought to you by ExpressPros.com. Looking for an easier way to find your next job? Well, it's time to get to know Express Employment Professionals. Find a location near you at ExpressPros.com. You're listening to American Ground Radio's Morning Minute. As the governor and mayors across the state implement more and more mask mandates, the question is, are they constitutional? No, those laws are not constitutional. How would you feel about being forced to publicly disclose your medical history or your mental health condition or have to explain your religious beliefs to the practices of a business where you buy your groceries or medicines as a precondition to them allowing you to remain in the store without wearing a mask in the first place? Look, if government can't do this legally, the real question going forward, should they be doing it at all? And since they are doing it, Who's going to stop them? American Ground Radio, where building a better America begins with building a better us. Return each Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. with Louis R. Abalone and Stephen Paul on News Talk 96.5 KPL and streaming live at KPL96.5.com. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Right now, traffic. Please watch out. We got a fender bender South College at Pinhook. That's South College at Pinhook. Our traffic update being brought to you by the folks over at LifeLock. Only watching your credit to help protect your identity, you could be missing certain threats. You can save on LifeLock identity theft protection at the summer sale that's going on right now. Go to LifeLock.com, promo code RISK. The sale ends on July 20th.
7.44 now. By the way, I like this version of, of Heard It Through the Grapevine. Someone awesome. messaged in and said, that's not even the real version. I know it's not the real version. But we do but like it. it's fun. Uh-huh. Okay? It's fun. All right. Mayor President Josh Guillory joins us on the phone. Uh, uh, Lafayette Live. Yeah, uh, Rob sounded a little emotional this morning. Um, you know what? That's okay. <laughs> Josh, a few months ago, remember, you, you saw me. I was wearing the walking boot. And um, I was wearing the walking boot before. And um, and now I'm in a full cast. And you know what, Bernie? She still, I get no sympathy. Still no sympathy. Oh, that is hey, not true. Come on, Bernie. You know? Hey, but, you know, it, it, there's no sympathy. But I, I, his new nickname is Wheels. Because he, he's going around on this these, uh, well, he's got four wheels. Don't you worry. The next four complaints you're going to get to planning and zoning is going to be about Rob not being able to get Uh-oh. up ramps. So I, I look get, out for I those. Mary, uh, you know, fair warning of it. You better get ready. That's right. So um, Billy wrote into the show, and he's asking about what is the deal with the opening of Muncus Park? So there are the signs out there that say, you know, opening in 2020. Um, we were, of course, led to believe it was late 2020. So we're not past, in my opinion, we're not really past the deadline. However, that's one place that really could have been used during this time with people trying to get out there and get some fresh air. So what's your insight on that, sir? I tell you, I agree with all of the above. It, it's supposed to open this year. I know it was delayed. Uh, I definitely see what the sign says. Every all indicators say we're still going to open, in, uh, or, or it's still going to be opened in 2020. Um, I'm, I'm very hopeful for that. Nothing is nothing has come across my desk or, or to my attention that would seem to to delay that. But it's, I mean, it's possible. And I agree with you. We could have definitely used that as a, as a public going forward, or excuse me, during this um, during this COVID situation. Now going forward, uh, I would I would like to highlight that you know there's going to be a lot of changes in. Um, the way we do government, especially after this budget cycle, I'm submitting a an executive budget to our councils here next week, um, a week after, excuse me, we're, we're still finalizing it. Uh, and it's going to have a lot of cuts, but the, the services that would necessarily be cut, um, the, the non-essential functions of government, we just got to find ways. It's not that they're not important. We just got to find ways to, to do more with less and, and innovative ways to get these things done. And Moncus Park is an example of a public-private partnership where you get the community involved and you got people that, that in, in, enjoy philanthropy and, and giving back to the community and leadership roles. And maybe they've had leadership roles their whole life. They're retired and they want to give back to the community. This is, these, these public-private partnerships are, are good good ways to do it. And when you put – I'm telling you, when you put good ideas in the hands of the private sector and the public and the community – Typically, you get a far greater product product than you do from the government. And look, our I was elected on priorities: drainage, roads, and traffic, public safety, bring jobs back to Lafayette. I've never lost sight of that. Even in the even in the in the public health emergency, you could you can go around my directors. They understand full well what the priorities are. Doesn't mean we turn our back on these 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 good initiatives that you know the arts and culture and all this stuff. And that that is important. All I'm saying is when we don't have the tax revenue to supply these these wants, uh, we have to turn to do you either turn your back on them or you try to find ways to do it in a different way. And I'm trying. I'm not. I don't want to turn my back on them. I think that we we should find ways to to get these things done in a very cost-effective manner in which uh, uh, to our taxpayers. And you know, that's the duty we have. It's a duty I do not take lightly. Um, Daniel is da- – I said that and messed up. Daniel. Daniel's <laughs> listening to us. He's in Chicago this morning, by the way, streaming us on the app. Uh, he's on business. But he wanted to ask about the uh, search for the next Lafayette police chief. Um, there were some comments that you made. I don't know if it was an interview or, or if you were speaking. Some, I don't know where it came from, but I have the quote. And, it, you know, it talks about 
it being a national search when it yeah. really, really turned up mainly um, internal candidates. I believe it is four. Um, does that mean that we are extending the deadline? Are we trying different actions? Or when do you hope to make that pick? So I'm um, I'm working with civil service right now to finalize that, or it's basically the answer to the question: Can we go ahead and reopen the in, um, the advertisement process now, or do we need to wait till we go through the original round? Um, whether look the person. The person uh, may very well be in these four individuals that applied. It may be, but we owe it to the people to interview more than four people. Okay, we we owe it to the people. Even if it, even if the magic candidate, the best candidates in this group right here, we owe it to to that person to make sure that we interview as many people and get the best person for the for the city of Lafayette for the Lafayette Police Department. So um, we're ironing out the wrinkles on the procedural side, and and uh, it, it's definitely a different environment out there. But uh, I know we, you know, Jamie Angel and our communications team did did advertise nationally, but we had some conversation. We're going to have to be a lot more uh, aggressive on our advertisement this time to get a to get a more wide uh, or a wider pool. And the way that the way that we've set it up, I've, I set up a committee. We published that the other day and we can we can republish if we need to uh the committee is um is very diverse but it's 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 there for a reason and i want as much objectivity as possible so the first step is you get the candidates coming in do their pre-qualifications they have a bachelor's degree things like that do they meet the the service requirements go through the civil service exam got to pass the exam once they get through that that process uh the 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 next step would be to be interviewed by the committee. You know, I want, it, I want it there to be. I don't want to jade the process. I want it to be extremely objective, uh, not subjective. Let the let the uh, let the the task force that I put together, the committee, the search committee, um, vet these individuals one step further. You know, you're already vetted once. They're going to be vetted against, and then make recommendations. My my goal is to have at least five recommendations come out of the committee, uh, so we can interview and 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 by that time, I'll interview them personally. Have along with our CAO, and, and um, you know, we'll make the best decision for Lafayette. But I definitely want to see a bigger pool than four. But I, but I appreciate the four that stepped up, and they're definitely going to get high consideration, and uh, they'll go through the process. But we, we will work with civil service to uh, expand that pool. Is, is the package competitive enough, in your opinion, to get these? Like, could that be the reason we're not getting national applicants? I believe it is, but I believe part of the package is you get to live in the greatest city in the world which is Lafayette, Louisiana, and you have people that value their first responders. And we're not like other cities across the country where we're not we, – we, I will not defund this police department. Um, I, don't, I don't feel like we have too many calls for that either, and if we do, just, just know where I stand. I'm not defending the police department. Um, we support our police officers. We support our, our good officers, and we support our, their families, and we, we welcome them. We embrace them. Our culture here in Lafayette – is matched by no one. Uh, there's fun things to do. There's fun people to be around. There's there's good good food. Let's get through this COVID situation and and, and uh, resemble normalcy. And I, I stack Lafayette Lafayette against any city in the world. And that's the part where we can probably market a little better uh, mm. when we when we're when we're targeting a or when we're seeking a, a police can, police chief candidate. But no, the the compensation is very competitive as well. I mean, you got really good benefits and. And uh, stick around long enough, you got a good retirement. And there's a Bernie and Rob show Monday through Friday. Oh, there's one, yeah. That I didn't want to. I didn't yeah. want to throw everything out there, you know, Bern. Yeah, let them figure it out once they're here. <laughs> a little fringe benefit. Wow. Josh Guillory, Mayor President of Lafayette, uh, joining us for Lafayette Live, continuing a long-standing tradition yes, Bernie started. Um, and we appreciate your time as always, Josh.
Thank you. We appreciate you guys. God bless you. Y'all have a good weekend. Thank you. You too, sir. All right, 752. You know, because a bunch of people are looking, and they're like, okay, now let's start to get to the reason. Maybe people knew about it, uh-huh. but it wasn't appealing enough. You know, and, and that's a part, you know, when people are looking at jobs. So yeah. we'll see. Hopefully we get some more applicants. And just some other people that seem to be maybe interested. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sign up. Are you going to? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you, you have the education requirement. You don't have the service requirement. I'm or just going to go ahead and. the physical skill. <laughs> Wait a second. When you're chief, I heard you're king. You let everyone else run around for you. Oh, That's okay. what I heard. I'm just kidding. <sighs> 7.53 now at Newstalk 96.5 KPL Lafayette Live. Brought to you each and every week by Southside Roofing. Thanks to them. The very latest on your way into work. Every morning. Rob and Bernie on Acadiana's Morning News. Fox News commentary. Nancy Pelosi excuses destructive mobs. More next. It's happening. In just days, Publishers Clearinghouse will be ready to award $7,000 a week for life. That's $7,000 a week, week after week, for life. Don't miss your last chance to win. Go to PCH.com and enter before it's too late. That's PCH.com. Better hurry if you want the next big winner to be you. Enter now at pch.com. Entries due 826. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Last week, a reporter asked House Speaker Nancy Pelosi about a mob that tore down a Christopher Columbus statue and threw it into Baltimore's harbor. Shouldn't that be done by a commission or the city council, not a mob in the middle of the night throwing it into the harbor? People will do what they do. Mobs will be mobs, was basically Pelosi's answer, a virtual shrug in response to that question. Really, a Frederick Douglass statue has been torn down. A monument to a former slave has been vandalized. A 9-11 firefighter memorial was defaced. No big deal, Nancy? In Wisconsin, a liberal state senator senator was beaten badly by a mob when he took a photo of them tearing down statues. How does that play into her nonchalance? Pelosi eventually mumbled a few words about safety, but her message was quite clear. She doesn't care about statues and mobs destroying public property really doesn't matter much. We're supposed to be a nation of laws, but you'd never know it from the actions and words of some of our supposed leaders. That's your thunder. Get the free KPL News app in the App Store and Google Play. News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Brover Lafayette. A lot of people still out of work. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. Another 1.3 million first-time jobless claims, though the number still continuing to collect is declined. Fox's Lillian Wu has the numbers live. Dave, that 1.3 million number pushes us well above the 50 million mark for first-time claims since mid-March. It comes in slightly above the expectation, one and a quarter million claims. Now, continuing claims, the number of people who are still receiving benefits slightly better, 17.3 million. One of the latest companies, meanwhile, to warn of job cuts. American Airlines, some 25,000 employees told they could lose jobs in October when federal support ends. Dave? Well, and we're shopping more. Retail sales rose more than 7% in June, a second straight rebound from the corona shutdown slump in March and April. A record number of cases was reported across the U.S. yesterday, 67,000. 13 states have seen new highs in infections this week, including Alabama, where a mask requirement goes into effect today. The opposite's happening in Georgia. Fox's Evan Brown explains live. Yeah, Dave, Governor Brian Kemp and Georgia's new executive order not only extends special guidelines for coronavirus mitigation and management that have been in place all along, it also now puts on hold any orders given by a city or county government making masks mandatory in public places. The governor had previously criticized a mask order issued by Atlanta's mayor calling the rule unenforceable. 
The governor's order will expire at the end of this month, Dave. Evan Wesley Perky's dead. He just got a lethal injection in Indiana, though he called it a sanitized murder that serves no purpose. In his last words, he also apologized to the family of the teenage girl he raped and murdered. The U.S. Supreme Court early this morning lifting two court-ordered stays of execution. A federal judge had ordered a halt to the execution yesterday after hearing arguments from Perky's legal team that he suffers from dementia. That's Fox's Jack Callahan. America's listening to Fox News. Big news. David Horowitz's new book, Blitz, just hit the New York Times bestseller list. Blitz reveals the real agenda of Antifa and the secret billionaires out to stop President Trump. Mike Huckabee says if everyone read Blitz, Trump would win. You've seen David Horowitz on Newsmax TV. He predicts more attacks on Trump this summer. Get David Horowitz's new bestseller, Blitz, at bookstores. Or get the free offer and save $28. Call 800-NEWSMAX or go to Blitz411.com. That's Blitz411.com. It's happening in just days. Publishers Clearinghouse will be ready to award $7,000 a week for life. That's $7,000 a week, week after week, for life. Don't miss your last chance to win. Go to PCH.com and enter before it's too late. That's PCH.com. Better hurry if you want the next big winner to be you. Enter now at PCH.com. Entries due 826. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. China is again calling the U.S. a bully after visa restrictions were slapped on leaders of Chinese tech companies over security concerns, adding to penalties related to China's Hong Kong crackdown. Chinese also inviting our Secretary of State to go to the province where they claim that he will see no human rights abuses as alleged. This as Mike Pompeo works to build support from our allies. I think the whole world is coalescing around the challenge that we face and the democracies, the free nations of the world will push back on these challenges together. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says he's traveling to the UK and Denmark next week to discuss concerns over China's government. National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien was in Paris this week with German, British, Italian and French officials for meetings about China. As China severely limits freedom in Hong Kong, the U.S. has stripped the territory of its special trading status. China's government says the U.S. should mind its business. Fox's Rich Edson, have you filled out the census yet? If not, you may soon get a knock on the door. As of mid-June, 62% of U.S. households had responded to the census. And if you're wondering, yes, that is a pretty good number actually for this time of the year, far more than in previous census years. Mostly, they suspect because you can respond to the census now online. But the U.S. Census officials say they will start going door to door now to gather data from those who have not yet responded. At the end of the month, they're starting in certain areas like Aurora, Colorado, Cranberry Township and Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Indianapolis and Honolulu. Follow up in other census areas will begin August 11th and the plan is to be wrapped up by Halloween. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. On Wall Street, despite better than expected jobless numbers and retail sales, Dow futures down nearly 200 points. Twitter's losing some value as it deals with a hack attack on prominent accounts, including former President Obama and Joe Biden. I'm Dave Anthony. This is Fox News. Your 24-7 news source on air, online, and with the Cape Hill News app. Now the headlines from the Cape Hill News Center. Good morning, I'm Rob Kirkpatrick. On this Thursday morning, Louisiana State Police investigating an officer-involved shooting that left a suspect in critical condition. State Police Troop High spokesman Thomas Gossin says Lafayette Police requested their assistance, a normal procedure for this type of incident. 
Yesterday, during a traffic stop, a suspect fled on foot. It's at that time, the officer says, a suspect fired shots. The officer returned fire, striking the suspect. That suspect, taken to the hospital and remains in critical condition, no officer was injured in the shooting. Louisiana State Attorney General Jeff Landry is pushing back on the governor's latest COVID-19 proclamation, which includes a mask mandate. In a nine-page opinion sent to Republican lawmakers working to strip the governor of some of his powers under the state of emergency, Landry says there are some questions about its constitutionality, especially a decision to ban bars, quote, carte blanche. Jeff Landry will join us on Acadiana's Morning News at 8.20 this morning. You can read more about the opinion at kpel965.com. Beginning today, seven state offices of motor vehicle locations will be open for in-person appointment-only service. KTC is reporting that these Acadiana offices are the ones that will accept appointments. Brobridge, Marksville, and Opelousas. The Karen Crow location remains closed. You can make your appointment on the OMV website. We have a link for you at kpel965.com. Consumers are planning to spend a record amount to prepare students for heading back to school and college. Brooke Thorrington has the story. NRF spokesperson Catherine Collins says more than half of shoppers feel that some learning will occur at home and they'll need to purchase more electronics. They're looking to buy laptops, speakers, headphones, and even things like printers or a computer mouse. For the elementary to high school age kids, families on average are expecting to spend almost $100 more than last year. Families are planning to spend an average of $789. And for the first time, average spending for college families is over a grand. I'm Brooke Thorrington. The Louisiana Restaurant Association estimates the pandemic economy will result in the loss of nearly a quarter of the state's restaurants. President Stan Harris says for many restaurants, there's just no way to weather the storm, even with the federal aid that has been received. Some folks in the full service business are not able to pivot and, and do it 30 or 40 percent revenue. And in the quick service business, they've been able to pivot because they have a lot of drive through in their business. With restaurants suffering, the state's service economy is getting hammered. Harris says that's why we need Congress to extend enhanced unemployment benefits before they run out at the end of the month. It may not be as robust as the $600 a week, but it may be something in the $200 to $400 a week range. So uh, we're hopeful that that's going to happen. Harris made the comments on the governor's monthly call-in talk show, Ask the Governor. The longest-serving executive director of Louisiana's Democratic Party is stepping away to pursue new challenges. That announcement first made on Up Close with Bernadette Lee. Kevin Barnhart has more. Eight and a half years, I think I've done my time. Stephen Hanwork says he's moving on at the end of August and says he's proud of the many accomplishments of the party during his time, including flipping the governor's mansion blue and keeping it that way for a second term. Hanwork offers this advice to the party going forward. We all as a party have to be doing a lot better in not only recruiting candidates, but then also being able to support them. So that is certainly where I'm going to be focusing a lot of my time in my next endeavor. I'm Kevin Barnhart. And finally, the U.S. Supreme Court has lifted an injunction on another federal execution. The court was divided on Wednesday's decision with the four liberal judges dissenting. The order lifts an injunction against the death sentence of Wesley Perkey. He was scheduled to be executed yesterday afternoon. Perkey was convicted of kidnapping and murdering a teenage girl in Kansas City back in 1998. His attorneys have argued that he's mentally unfit for execution and has severe dementia. It's the second injunction against a federal execution to be lifted this week. This news update is brought to you by Seize the Deal and Eat Lafayette, teaming up to offer you 10 incredible buy one, get one free deals 
at 10 local restaurants. The deal goes live at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning at SeizeTheDeal.com and at KPEL965.com. If you've shopped with Seize the Deal before, you can look for the deal in your email inbox. $25 is all the deal costs, and it's a great way to experience new Eat Lafayette restaurants and treat your friends while you're doing it. Restaurants participating include La Pizzeria Karen Crow, Burgersmith, Tabuli Lebanese Cuisine, Poor Boys Riverside Inn, Gary's World Famous Plate Lunches and Hamburgers, Blue Basil Wine and Grill, Young's Sports Grill, Ciro's Bistro, Broadus Burgers, and Acadiana Bar and Grill. With the deal, you purchase one entree and two drinks and get a second entree of equal or lesser value for free. The deal allows for one BOGO deal at each of the participating restaurants. You're going to want to snatch that up tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock at kpel965.com. We're getting a little bit of a break in this what has been fairly hot pattern across Acadiana. An upper-level low going to be moving its way across the region today, and that's going to be good for sparking some showers and thunderstorms a little bit later on. It's going to help kind of erase some of the high pressure as well, which has been the main culprit of our warm-up here the last couple of days. Be on the lookout for a little bit of rainfall. We'll keep the rain chances going at about 60%. Now, they don't kick in until the afternoon, so we're... We, are still going to see the temperatures get up to about 94 by the end of the day today. Lows tonight sit down in the mid-70s. we got some more scattered showers on the way for tomorrow, but then essentially drying out for the weekend. Saturday is going to be a dry and hot day. Same with Sunday. I think isolated to scattered showers will be returning almost every day through next week. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. So right now, 83 degrees here at KPL Studios. And our weather update is being brought to you by the pros at Express Pros. You can find out all about wonderful stuff that they've got ready for you and an easy way to find your next job. Get to know Express Employment Professionals. To find the location nearest you, go to ExpressPros.com. News Talk 96.5, KPL. Right now, traffic. No more crashes or breakdowns right now. Just please make sure that you're buckling up and keeping it safe out there. Our traffic update brought to you by Southside Roofing. So a little bit later on this morning, I'm headed over to Healing House, the new Healing House gotcha. over on Beetle Road, okay? All right. Um, so Martinis is kicking off. They're going to do it again this year. It's got to be a little bit different. You know, in summers past, I think this would be my fifth summer yeah, of I think do- so. drinking martinis mm-hmm. with you on Mondays. Yep. So um, it's uh, Three Olives, the presenting sponsor this year, Lafayette's Best Martinis. And essentially, it lasts all summer normally. It's a two-month all thing. summer. Well, so... It has been pared down to be four weeks, mm-hmm. starting on July 20th, which is just coming up Monday through August 15th. There are two restaurants every week. And what you do is you go to healing-house.org. You print out a weekly coupon, and mm-hmm. that allows you to get a $2 Three Olives Vodka Signature Martini at these restaurants. Okay, so uh, next week, it's Fizo's and Tsunami. Cool. The following week, the week of the 27th, is Rafino's on the River and Don's Seafood. Oh. August 3rd week. Bonton Grill and Bonefish Grill. Mm. And then on uh, the week of August 10th, it is walk-ons. So um, a bunch of people come together from Moss Motors to Neighbors Pharmacy, Delone Funeral Homes, Linear Controls, all to make this happen. And um, they're going to be doing the gala just like they always do, except it's going to be martinis a la maison. 
Yeah. You do it from your house. It's virtual. They will have everything you normally do from entertainment to that silent auction. It's a great thing you can do to support the great work of Healing House. So all this to say, around 10 o'clock this morning, I'm going over to Healing House Mm -hmm. because even though we can't do it in our studio because we have some restrictions due to COVID-19. Right, right. It doesn't stop me from going to the to the alcohol, okay? <laughs> now, I ha- I drive two vehicles now, my ah. knee scooter and my truck. So I can't overdo it cuz I don't want to I don't want to get a DUI, right, you know? Right. Um, but no, I'm just joking here. He um, is of course teasing about that part. I'm going to go over, I'm going to meet all the restaurants. They're all going to make their drinks in front of me. Sweet. I'm going to video it and then we're going to post it on our website kpel965.com. Right. Um the work of Healing House, it's one of those things that the, the first time I even you know, came into contact with the executive um, director, Janae mm-hmm. and Kim, who works over there. And I really saw their passion for what they do. To be perfectly honest, Bernie, it had never crossed my mind that the need was so large. Yeah. And that is to help kids grieve. Yep. And we know that historically, you know, when you talk about someone who may have died 30 years ago, they said, look, you just have to get up every day. And you just have to keep on going. And what that ends up with is a lot of unresolved yep. mental health issues that, you know, could hamper you for your whole life, okay? Amen. So you get these kids that come in, whether they lose a sibling or a parent. I mean, mm-hmm. we're dealing with COVID-19 right now. Mm-hmm. People are losing loved yes. ones. And they help them through it. They show them, you know, every um, every feeling is, is okay as long as you're not hurting yourself or someone else. Um, you're okay to be upset. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to be upset. That's right. You're allowed right. to be sad. Oh, mm-hmm. and by the way, we have this huge wall where we're going to let you put a picture of your family member so you could see them every time you That's come. Right. I love Healing House and the work that they do, and so we're always so happy to support their work. So uh, we'll be telling you more about the Teeny Tour 2020 this year and also where you can get the martinis. We'll be talking about it on Mondays right here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Great group of All people. right, it's 819. Um, right. State Attorney General Jeff Landry will be joining us after a quick break. His nine-page opinion about the governor's latest COVID-19 proclamation, including the mask mandate, um, is has a lot of people talking this morning. Mm-hmm. So we're going to ask some more questions. And also, yeah, I didn't get enough time yesterday. I ended up with only like six minutes of yeah. time. Well, I want to ask about the benchmarks yes. specifically. It's an interesting. It's why I part asked Mayor President Josh Guillory, yeah. like, what are we working towards? Yeah, and and it can't just be to make the world a better place because right. th- because these are you know not to mention on the flip side of it. More people would wear the masks probably if they did have a tangible goal in mind. Right. You know, it's like when you're raising money at a fundraiser and you're like, we're halfway there. We're 75 percent there. Next week, we're going to be there. Um, I think it would help all around. So we're going to talk to Jeff Landry coming up after a quick break. You're listening to Acadiana's Morning News. Leveraging the power of Fox News Radio to cover the big issues that matter to you. News Talk 96.5. KPEL. Depend on it. I see. All right, so Attorney General Jeff Landry is on the phone with us. I want to say before we start, you can read the full nine-page yes. opinion that we're going to be talking about. It's posted on our website, kpel965.com, along with the governor's response. And uh, Attorney General, I've got to ask. So we saw your statement. We heard your interview yesterday with Bernie. We saw the governor's response, and it almost made me think, wait a second. Are we at a point where we don't say anything and and other than deflecting it as being political? You know, yeah, it almost w- seems like the conversation that is yeah. happening, that's an easy way to squash it and throw some cold water is to just say, uh, it was a political response. But there are a lot of people who share your same concerns about the latest proclamation and especially the mask mandate. 
Well, you know, the one thing I'll say is that the problem with the governor's statement like that is he said it too many times, right? People understand that now he just does it for political reasons. Let's back up. In March, when I stood next to him, mm-hmm. we were facing an unknown virus that experts were predicting could kill two to three million Americans. And that called for extraordinary measures. And the governor exercised those measures across the board in an even-handed manner. Okay? Thankfully, those experts were wrong. Yes. We did not have millions of deaths. That's a great thing. Yes, it is. Today, we are treating people much differently than we did three months ago. The length of stays in hospitals is dramatically being reduced. The ratio of people infected versus those on vents has drastically been improved. I mean, our medical folks are winning battle after battle after battle. Not a war, as we recognize, is not over. The problem is, is that the current mandate is not even-handed. It picks winners and losers, and then it commands business owners to be the mask police, okay? It commandeers, it's like fascist, all right? That's the problem. You know, we have this thing called the Constitution, both at the U.S. level and the state Constitution. We have statutes. We don't rule by executive fiat. And, and here's, here's let, me, let me give you exhibit A, and the governor knows this, right? He's a lawyer. I'm going to remind people he's a lawyer, and I'm not telling you, he's a pretty good lawyer. But he knows this because if you go back to his press conference and you look at the question, Melinda Desolate, what AP asked him, you, if you watch it, you can see the irritation that he has where he, she asks him about enforcement. And he says, I'm not interested in enforcing it. You know why he says that? Because he knows it's unenforceable. That's the problem. And what in, in what my, my bees, my disappointment with the governor in this is that what we should be doing is educating people. And we should be setting benchmarks for our citizens so that we know what the, what the goal line looks like. All right? Let me say this. I do not in any way discourage madness. Okay? I do not. If you want to wear it, wear it. In certain circumstances, you should wear it, right? And, and, but I'm not going to allow the governor to exercise his authority by executive fiat. We had two legislative sessions. Did he offer anything? And say, hey, you know, maybe we might need this or maybe I might need that. Legislature, can you give me that particular power? He did not. He just goes out there and commandeers all of us and says, y'all go do my job. And that's the problem. So have you gotten any answers to that question of what is the benchmark we're working towards? You know, just before we did this segment, I told Bernie, you might even have more participation. It's sort of like when you're trying to raise money for something and you can say, you know, you could show that big meter on the wall and say, we're 25 percent there. We're 50 percent there. Is there a benchmark? I I, I equate it to like a sunset on a tax, you know, like. In two years, right, it's going to fall off the books. I mean, is there something we're working towards? Are we looking for that under 10% infection rate? I mean, what have you well, learned? Well, that, well, 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 that's the whole problem. No, I have not. I can't find anybody to tell me what the particular benchmark. And what's worse is the position we're in today is that people have lost faith and credibility in their government. Why? Because they keep moving the benchmark. That's the problem. When we started this, this was about healthcare capacity. And 
and, and, and the epidemic was based upon death rates, right? And then all of a sudden, it became something else. And then it said, oh, we got too many people that are infected. Uh, but, you know, but it didn't matter that 40% of them are asymptomatic, 40 of them have mild, and 20 of them. We, we didn't do any of those things. We, all we did was basically yell from above at Mount Olympus, right, and say, you do this conduct, right? And people are like, for what goal? And, and, and I believe that's the problem. No, no, if you're, you're right. I mean, I think, I think there are plenty of football players out, high school football players out there that I just would love to be able to play this season, right? Yes. And I'm sure if we went out there and said, listen, here's what we need to do in these schools, and these are common sense approaches, and we need to keep X, right? Okay, we need to do X. Then, now, it's got to be realistic. That's the other thing, Bernie. It's got to be realistic, and it's got to be even-handed, and people would absolutely comply. But you can't go out there and commandeer businesses and actors without what's called due process. And that's the problem here. Now that you have uh, that you have this out, that, um, you know, a lot of people are talking about it and discussing it. Do you think the governor will come back with actually some stated goals at this point? Or do you think that's just not going to happen? You know, I, I don't I don't know. You know, I would urge them to reach out. They haven't called us. We, listen, we are the legislature way back when they wrote Title 29 said the attorney general shall be the legal advisor to the governor's office of Homeland Security Emergency Preparedness. We have not reviewed one executive order until after it was out. Wow. Okay. I think that would surprise right. a lot of people okay. because you, you are the designated counsel yeah. for the state of Louisiana. Yeah. Wow. And, and, but guess what? In, and that was even true in March. But I still stood by him. Yeah, you did. Even though they were not playing right, okay, because it was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. But it's time for them to to recognize the limitations of governmental power, articulate the overall goal about what we're actually trying to achieve, and then go out there and get the public in a position to do that. That's the problem with the bar. I mean, the bar bar rule is like, I mean, it's, it's, arbitrary okay they, we, we put in place all these hundreds of millions of dollars of contact traces so that the government would have all this particular data right to tell us where the hot spots were how we could ship resources here what was going on to tell us all that those contact tracing that contract tracing data tells us what bars those kids are going into if you say kids young people they can't be kids they got to be 21 they shouldn't be kids going into a bar well, well it is louisiana <laughs> i know you're the okay. attorney general but, but you know <laughs> you know what 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 bar those young folks are going into yeah okay and whether or not there's particular hot spots the, the statutes allow the office of public health to go in there to close those bars individually for a period of time but guess what they have to set a benchmark hey we're going to close this bar because these are things that you have to do right they could go in those bars and say, you can't have more than X number of people in them. Do you okay? think? Again, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to ask, do you think that the whole contact tracing program, though, is flawed in the sense that an assumption was made there would be 100% compliance with it? And then the numbers we got is, you know, we're seeing hundreds of people who say, no thanks. Hey, thanks for calling. I'm feeling all right. No thanks. I'm not going to tell you where I was. Because once again, that's not required or enforceable that that people tell you where they were i mean you hope they do but it seems like all of everything we knew about the contract tracers was made with the assumption that every person who got a positive 
would comply and would say where they were, and then you could trace it. It doesn't seem like any state has been able to do that successfully. And so I'm not just picking on Louisiana, but it it didn't work in that way. Well, let's be fair. Where can you point out to me in society where we have a harder compliance in anything? Well, that's a good point. I mean, here's, and that's our problem. We believe, we want to live in a perfect world and fail to recognize an imperfect one. Okay, and 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 that in our structure of government is designed to balance those two. Okay, Wait, look, I'll give you an example. I'm a big person on temperature checks. I got no problem if a person temp- checks my temperature going into a particular establishment or not. In fact, if we do that way, and in fact, in most government buildings, you got to get your temperature checked. Mm-hmm. Now, you can mandate temperature checks. I believe you could. Okay, because you could do it even handedly. There's no discrimination over it. I don't think anybody would disagree with it. And the experts, of course, on both sides have said, well, you know, it doesn't catch everybody. That's true. But it does something, right? It does, it does make people aware, right? And so if you're doing temperature checks and people are wearing masks, certainly those are two things that, again, pile on. But again, Bernie, we don't have, what is the overall benchmark? Do we wear masks from now until when? Yeah. I Who think do you, that's and finally, yeah, we've only got about 30 seconds left. Who do you think, I mean, do you think people are going to be lining up to file suit at this point? I mean, I, look, I don't know. All we did was our job, which right. is to basically put out the information, right? Uh, this is our job. I'm not picking a side, okay? All I'm saying is, is that this mandate is problematic on multiple fronts. Mm-hmm. If you look at the opinion we wrote, it is not in any way political. In fact, I would argue that what the governor and them are doing is more political than what we're doing. Okay? And, and, and really and truly, we should be trying to figure out a way that we can benchmark this and say this is our particular goal. And then support the medical providers out there who are doing an outstanding job. Attorney General Jeff Landry. People still talking, obviously, and will be for the next several days or until this mass mandate goes away, if I know our people. Uh, you can read it in full at our website, kpel965.com, along with the governor's response. And the conversation though, continues. Yep. It's so funny, Bernie, because the question you just asked about the lawsuit, mm-hmm. we asked the same exact question back in March, right. you know, whenever the stay-at-home order came out, and one of those never materialized either. So, But we'll it'll see. be interesting to see. All right, Mr. AG, thank you for your time this morning. We appreciate it. Okay, take care. All right, you too, sir. All right, so, you know, it's a very complex issue Mm -hmm. from the constitutional side of it, right? And people are all over the map on how they look at everything. So well, you have we the want group to bring that, you all aspects of the story, and that's what we want to do every day. And, you know, there are people that look at the masks and say, how is it any different than a seatbelt? Right, a seatbelt right, right, can right. actually kill you, but the chances are that it helps you are higher. Right. You know, so and there's, there's that, that side. Discussion. Yeah. I know. So, look, people, we're just trying to bring you all aspects of various parts of the discussion. It is 832 coming up on the show. That federal aid for coronavirus relief, well, everyone is racing to be the group that oversees it. Mm. You know how that goes. We talked to Professor Alan Sachs from UT Arlington coming up. World events, national headlines, and local news that affects you the most. Hey, it's Robin Burning, and you're listening to Acadiana's Morning News. I listen every morning. I like to stay informed. Wake up with us weekday mornings at 5.30 for the headlines on News Talk 96.5 K7.
620 now on Newstalk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to Acadiana's Morning News on this Thursday, July 16th, 2020. Joining us from the Dallas-Fort Worth area this morning, Professor Alan Sachs. And, you know, we love to talk to you uh, about different things because you're always looking just one level below the surface, if not 20 to 30 levels below the surface, because a lot of times what you see is not really what's going on. Good morning to you, first of all, sir. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, sir. Thank you so much. So um, one of the things that I learned really early on in my news career, and it was actually uh, an anchor up in Dallas, Tim Ryan, who would always say, follow the money. That's the first question to ask when you're starting a story about corruption, starting an investigative story. Where is the money? And that seems to be where our conversation um, ends today because our starts today. It's because it's the oversight of this coronavirus relief money. Um, I mean, it is it is billions in many cases it could be up to a trillion dollars and everyone's fighting to get their hands on control of it to be the official overseer what are you seeing well you put it exactly correct uh they're trying to fashion up another trillion dollar package uh to send out to people who are in trouble because of this uh, terrible pandemic but uh, the problem is they really cannot account for the previous two two trillion dollars uh, when I'm mean, talking trillions, you get all confused. Uh, Speaker Tip O'Neill of many, many years ago, paraphrasing him, said, a trillion here, a trillion there, soon you're talking real money. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. uh, uh, it, it's, they're trying to fashion another trillion dollars, uh, but they want to have oversight on it. Where does the money go? How do you account for it? And that's always been a problem, especially when you're talking about this kind of money. Harry Truman a former president of the United States, when he was a member of Congress, became well-known because he was a chairman of a committee that was looking into uh, oversight of expenditures during the Second World War, military expenditures. So this has always been a problem. You know, and it always kind of comes down to, obviously in this situation, we have a Republican president, a Republican-led Senate, obviously the Democrats lead in the House. And, you know, and I wish I could say, I could trust either side to put petty politics aside to actually, I don't know, serve the American people and to oversee this money. But you know what? I don't have faith in either of them to do it without their own political interests. Is that fair? You're asking too much of them. <laughs> uh, politics, politics, politics always, always comes into it. Uh, and especially when people say, I didn't get a check. Mm. I didn't get one either, by the way. Yep. And uh, I have to remind myself, I just didn't qualify. A lot of these checks that went out to people, uh, they just did not qualify. I listen to a lot of call-in shows, and inevitably somebody calls in and says, I didn't get a check. And uh, what they should answer, which they don't all the time, is that you are not qualified to get a check. Yeah. So it, it, it's a tough deal on how this money is spent and where all these all this money goes, we can rest assured that uh, it's not going to go all the time to where it was intended. What do you think about the unemployment? Um, as we start to wrap up, by the way, we're joined by Professor Alan Sachs from UT Arlington. Um, there are a lot of folks who are really worried looking just about two weeks down the road when that federal unemployment uh, benefit ends, and that's the extra $600 right. a week in benefits. Um, I. You know, people are really worried what is going to happen then. Do you think that our lawmakers are working fast enough? Will there be a renewal of that, or, or are we well, kind of setting sail? It, and very quickly, that's a good point. Uh, one of the things that strikes me is that I drive around the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I live in a little city called Arlington, Texas, which is about 
400,000, right in the middle of Dallas and Fort Worth. And I've seen on intersections people uh, from churches handing out food. It says free food. And then in a church parking lot across the street, a big 18-wheeler truck loaded with food. It's a wonderful sight, but it also scares you a little bit, too. Yeah, I hear you. Professor Alan Sachs, we appreciate your insight as always. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Graham. Summer Bob is joining us on the phone. Good morning to you, sir. How many buttons are buttoned today? Good morning. You know what? I was so outraged that I can't come into the studio that, and I just pulled up in your lot, that I, I put on a t-shirt. Oh, so there, so there's no summer Bob really today. I don't, I don't, a, a, a Bob wearing a t-shirt is not summer Bob to me. Sorry. It just isn't. It just isn't. So you were in. That, that's fair. Um, you were in Montana last time we talked to you and, um, yeah. and uh, you've made your way back here. There were some That's interesting right. comments from the CDC director in the last couple of days where he seemed to insinuate maybe the problem in the South with our uptick in cases is the, the folks from the North coming down to spend holiday weekends at our beaches and our lakes and different areas as well. But you got to right. experience kind of the whole gamut because you you drove up there. So you see varying yeah. levels of enforcement going up and then coming right. back down and it changed while you were there. It did, yeah. So, I, I mean, when, on the way up, we found that things were much more restricted uh, as we went into Nebraska and definitely into Montana. Um, they were requiring people to wear masks in stores, you know, before things have gotten much more out of hand, seemingly, at this point. Uh, but it's interesting that everyone seems to think that it's somebody else that's bringing it to them. I have a friend in Naturally. New Mexico, mm-hmm. and they're upset with people from Texas and Arizona because they feel like those people have come over and, and you know, reinitiated the spread. I, I mean, I'm sure there's some validity to it, but ultimately we're an open society and people come and go. Well, and it's, that's- hard, it's hard. Yeah, and that's how it was over in Europe because, you know, um, the countries over there are essentially like states here, you know, where you can move across. Many of them don't even have robust border control because it's all part of the EU, you know. That's Um, right, no more border control. Well, and that's, yeah, exactly, and so that's a part of it. You know, I'm anxious to see, Bob, and and I'm sure you are too, just given what you do and, and looking at history and how stories are retold. It's not just because I want to get out of it right now because, you know, I'm a big, big fan of trying to learn something in every bad situation. You know, like try to think maybe there's something we need to be learning here. But I'm anxious to look back on this to see because I think one of the questions, I guess, that's going to be a hard one to answer is going to come down to, you know, why were other countries like what was different? Why were other countries able to get it under control quicker? Now, we have seen some of the the places that opened up go back into some restrictions. Is it just going to be because we have literally so many more square miles and so many more people? Is that what it's going to come down to? I wonder. You know, I certainly that's part of it. When you look at a lot of these other places that brought things under control, their relative size to the United States is is just, it's, it's, it's tiny. You know, it's much easier to manage and control um, everything in a smaller geographic location. Um, but I got to tell you, I, I, when I talk to my history friends, we, 
we sort of Sounds just like look a riot. at each other with wide eyes and disbelief with uh, we don't even know how to process mm-hmm. all of the things that are happening so rapidly in in a meaningful historical context it's simply wow n- never could have imagined yeah yeah and i think i think that is a scary thing i want to jump into uh your history topic today because that's always fun and we always love that bob and i think people are excited because they always learn something what are you talking about today all right so you know today is it's interesting we've got two potential topics um and i i can't do one without at least mentioning the other so the, the one that i want to do is second but the one that I, we've got to do is first and that is um right now this morning is the anniversary in 1945 of the detonation of the first atomic bomb wow and, I, and so I did this see that is this in alamogordo new mexico mm-hmm. um the manhattan project that developed the atomic bomb during world war ii created three of them and they knew they needed one to test to see if this thing actually was going to do what they thought that it might do and it was this morning in alamogordo new mexico about 150 miles south of santa fe in the middle of the desert that they hoisted it up onto a tower and hit the button and the the terror that a lot of the scientists had was oh my gosh is this thing because some of our calculations some people's calculations say this could actually set off a chain reaction that detonates the atmosphere. Wow. And, and you know, so it, it went well. It went as it was hoped to go, um, but ushered in clearly, uh, you know, a new age, the atomic age. So that was this morning uh, in 1945 in Alamogordo. You know, when I look at this and I, you know, obviously in school you learn about the Manhattan Project and, and also the damage that's done, because I'm pretty sure this is the location where the crater still exists, right? Like you can still go to it if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you know, it's one of my wish list places. Okay. Um, you can go twice a year. They let people out onto the site. And really what it did is it, it fused the um, the sand in this desert, the sand and rock. It fused it into glass. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, I, of, I often wonder, too, in talking about things in historical context, would something like the Manhattan Project ever get approval today? You know, I mean, I, today we would have people who, you know, were going to go out and they were going to uh, be activists for a certain lizard that lives in that part of the desert. And so you can't hurt that lizard. So we we got to pick a different spot. I mean, I just feel like people right. are so I, I, I kind of coined the well, term Facebook concerned. About everything, yeah. you know, like I'm well, shocked even that there was a chance it could have maybe, you know, set off a chain reaction and caused the atmosphere to combust. I just don't see that playing out well in Congress, per se. You know, I, it, yeah, you know, and there, you know, you can you can see that in terms of people's uh, capacity to accept, which is sort of what you're you're alluding to. But I also wonder you know, could really the reason that it was able to happen is because of the secrecy. So there yeah, was nobody, nobody knew to go out and protest the destruction of the lizard at Alamogordo. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know that that level of secrecy can exist, but I say that and I don't want to be foolish. And what I fall back on is, you know what? There were so many secret programs within governments around the world that move forward that I would be foolish to think that something similar wasn't afoot 
at the you know at any given time. Yeah, and and guess what? Um, newsflash to everyone who thinks they know everything because it happens on Twitter. There are still secret government programs. It's it's just it's how things happen. Right. You can't put everything out right. there on the front page for everyone to see or and, the front and, porch. And, may, and maybe maybe for the maybe for the best, right? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you got to move forward and not tell everybody what you're doing. All right. So you said that was the first part. What is the second part that goes along with the first test of an atomic bomb in the United States? So ten years ten years prior to the the first test of an atomic bomb was a another momentous moment, and that was the installation of the very first parking meter in Oklahoma City. <laughs> okay, how are you going to tie this together, Bob? <laughs> Outrage. I mean, I was going to say <laughs> I'm uh, I'm confident in you, but tie it together. <laughs> I'm not sure I can actually tie it together, but it is absolutely worth considering that this this guy Charles McGee invented the park o meter, and this leads to another question: Why always o? Why is it a barrel o monkeys? Why what is the o in these things? But yeah. that's that's for another day. He invents the park o meter uh, to address parking concerns and congestions that are arising on the streets of America in 1935, right? In 1935, this was, this was the concern. And so they developed the parking meter. A lot of people thought that this was the answer to their prayers in downtowns across America because the parking turnover would increase and therefore customers and businesses would increase. And a lot of people felt that this was just a revenue grab by the cities and they couldn't put up with it. Hmm. I guess right. it could be either way. I mean, I understand what they say. If you do that turnover, then you do have more and more people at least maybe walking in front of your businesses. Cause, and what you have to think about this is is the, the time that you're talking about, we're not talking about big downtowns like uh, you know down Manhattan. We're talking about Main Street areas where you know you have to walk in front of these businesses and maybe you walk in front of the butcher shop or you walk in front of the grocery store. Right. I mean, regular businesses like that. Yeah, and they wanted they wanted more turnover. The, fi- the thing that I find it interesting is one of the arguments against it were some of the very same arguments that we put up in the face of uh, red light cameras. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and some of that is you know this is just to make money, and and you go back with parking meters, and it was this this was just to make money. Um, but they they're still with us clearly, and the uh, Parco Meter Company that was established way back when is still the main producer of these these uh, these devices. All right. So one of our astute listeners has thrown a flag on one of your earlier comments. Uh, do you want right. to? Will you accept uh, some feedback here? Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so this is Janice. Okay, Janice said. Um, you can't make the comparison between Parkometer and Barrel O Monkeys because the O in Barrel O Monkeys is clearly to represent of two different she's right. things. So she says she's throwing a flag, and right, well, um, you it's can let Janice know that that's it. Uh, I officially quit, and I will never do this again. I <laughs> so, I am used Rob, to teaching students take, who can't can talk back, and I can respond to it. <laughs> Okay, look, here's another thing that I wrote down to talk to you because, you know, we're talking about monuments and we've been talking a lot about um, uh, obviously civil unrest has has happened. It seems to have calmed down a bit. The racial conversation is back and and people are talking about it. And and some say there has been maybe more movement this time than other places. 
But I am often drawn back to things that I can still hear my mom like in the silence of a quiet house in the morning. And I can still hear her saying things like, don't believe the worst in people. Everyone has a bad day or little things, you know, just just things. Okay. And the one thing that I come back to into watching a lot of this stuff, and it goes with the mask debate. It goes with the monument debate. It goes with the protest debate is to each his own. And that's something that we have sort of let go out the window because think about it. The Facebook culture to each his own runs exactly counter to all the conversations. I mean, that you see people getting so fired up. Imagine how quickly if everyone just said, you know, to each his own, then social media would be so much more boring. Well, and, and we would all be so much better off. I know because that is the fact. I mean, it, what is it really? I, I remember kind of getting into this conversation with my dad about the chop zone in Seattle. Uh-huh. And I was like, but dad, you do realize that this is in Seattle and, you know, you live thousands of miles away. Well, I know, but if it can happen there, it can happen anywhere. And I said, you need to look up the history of how they police in Seattle. It's very hands off to start with. You know, like it's not <laughs> like we're changing Dallas, Texas and the, the Texas Ranger form of policing and letting something like that happen. But if. Maybe we could all sleep right. easier if we just sit back and say, you know what, teach us, though. Just whatever yeah, you want that, to do. That would, that would be good. I, I feel like in the, the heat of these moments, we get too far away from that, mm-hmm. uh, especially to the point where you're not even allowed to have an alternative question to some of the larger um, movements at hand. And if you, if you make a mistake, a twist of tongue, and you say something that is deemed uh, inappropriate, uh, or unacceptable to a current movement, then, then the, the, the hate that comes down on you is, is swift yeah. and a little bit too intense. Well, um, I, yeah. as I've said more times that I'm, that I'm comfortable with, they chewed up and spit out Drew Brees. If you think you're better than that, we have some conversations to have. It could happen to you too. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. Wow. Well, Bob Carricker, Summer Bob, always uh, always good for a laugh. And uh, Janice said, by the way, let him know I enjoy the segments. I just got a good <laughs> laugh this morning about the comparison of Parkometer and Barrel of Monkeys. And so I'm glad you could be a comedic relief, Bob. <laughs> All right, parking meters and atomic bomb. <laughs> you know what? That Now that makes more sense to Janice, apparently. Thanks for listening, Janice. All right.